Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Look Into It Today. Another conspiracy theory show. Sorry, guys. I know you guys want to hear about my life stories and my music and all that stuff. I know you're you're uh, yearning for that, but just hold your horses. Be patient. Uh, we're going to do another. This is a little different, though. We're going to do a conspiracy theory podcast, but the main aspect is um, or uh, is memes. And uh, my guest today is the most savage meme maker on the planet. I thought I was good. I got some good ones, dog. I got some good ones, but this guy crushes. Uh, he goes by Jim Bob. You can find him on Instagram at Made by Jim Bob. You won't regret it. He's got the best memes ever. My guest, welcome. Jimba, what's up, dog? Hey, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for that intro. Wow. <laughs> you are, dude. Hey, I, I pride myself as a, you know, a decent meme maker. I make a lot of memes too, but yours, yours are special though, because with all the AI going on uh, and all the, you know, the shadow banning going on, uh, you, I don't know if you did it on purpose, but you, you found a way to make powerful memes, uh, but yet they're subtle to get past AI. They, they, they leave a message, but AI can't pick them up, right? Was that a plan? Like, here's one. Like, it's very hard to, to ban someone for that, right? <laughs> I love that one. I'll go to the next one. <laughs> That's hysterical. It's like culture jamming memes. It's like hard to get banned for them, but they're so powerful. We yeah. are we are double mass and triple jab. Let's go to the mall. Can't. I got COVID. <laughs> it's so good, man. Thank you. And the art is awesome. How many? Thank more? you. I picked out like four. Is it, we got one more. There's. Wait, you only got three? Okay. Okay. Uh, Jim, how the hell did you start writing? Uh, how'd you start making these memes and, and take us through your, your, sure. red pill, your red pill moment. Okay, great. Yeah. So I lived in Los Angeles for 15 years. It was in some entertainment, some, uh, comedy, uh, circles. And then I was always like a doodler. I just didn't know what to say. And so, uh, as you know, um, if you do any level of comedy or anything creative, you start to question, well, what am I, what am I here to say? And uh, there was a point which I just started drawing and these kind of like rudimentary, very crude memes started emerging out of my hands. And uh, the first thing I ever memed was actually like a, a Game of Thrones meme that just went super viral overnight. And I didn't even know uh, what that meant. I didn't know uh, how do you how do you how do you uh, basically 
utilize? How do you harness uh, viral memes? What What is this world I've just stepped into? And can and so, I see that? Can we see that meme? Is there any way? Um, let me that? see. It's you can might be able to look it up. It's it was uh it was Aria Starbuck. Basically, it, it was called Aria Starbucks. It was just basically the Aria character, the girl who has no name. And I was actually like kind of like yeah, that's the one. Look how I mean, look at it. it looks like an amputee drew it, but somehow it went viral like uh, everywhere, <laughs> just everywhere. This thing, and I even I even uh, ended up selling the original in that form. I mean, that's this. This is like a this is a guy sitting up at, late at night on his bed drawing with uh, pencils of color, right in the in the bed, and being like, oh, I don't know, I'm just making dumb dumb stuff here. Posted it, didn't know it. That was like when I got the power of reduced imagery paired with like uh, context where I knew that there's a bunch of people who talk a lot, right? They say a really amazing stuff. They get into really in-depth uh, conversations about things, but I realize, wow, you can take a single frame and penetrate the zeitgeist in a day. And so I kind of got like hooked on that. Um, I don't, I don't think that's a great thing to get hooked on by the way, because you can't ever purposefully reproduce that viral aspect necessarily. Maybe there is a method, but um, I just started doing more. And the more I said, the more clearer my uh, message got, the more cutting these things ended up being. And I realized it's not really me talking. I'm basically, um, my job is to be kind of like the conduit, the mirror to what's going on in the world, but do it in such a simple form that you can't not look at it. Like you can't not accept it, or you might disagree, but uh, you know, looking at an image, especially in my style, it's so much easier to look at that image than to read like what 15 pages of some peer reviewed bullshit or whatever. Right. So I realized I had some, um, some power. I just didn't know what the power was yet at that moment. And so, you know, as that developed, um, I got clearer on what my targets were and, uh, you know, you know, developed some, some rudimentary logic skills, maybe a little bit of philosophy here and there. And uh, the rest is history. I just, you know, I just hit targets. That's my job. Now, um, you got you you've written or or you put all your memes together in mm -hmm. um, uh, in a book. You have four mm -hmm. books, right? You have yeah, I'm on my fourth memes. book. Yep. Do you have Sa it with you? Can you hold it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Savage Memes Volume Four. It's appropriately appropriately called Post Truth Booster. Uh, get your Post Truth Booster because um, this is it. This is basically. I look at these as like cultural almanacs, like uh, t time capsules for the absurdity that we've all witnessed. And uh, you've definitely seen the memes, whether my name was on it or not, or cut out, they get shared. And so uh, because of the level of, of censorship I've experienced, which isn't that bad comparatively, I mean, you understand what it's like to be shadow banned. I realize, oh, physicality, books, like you can't, you could burn a book if you get a hold of it. But if someone has my book, they don't have to worry about, you know, the next time I'm banned and I'm on my like seventh account because they have my volumes. So yeah, I'm up to four. The first two are totally sold out. There's some volume three left and then volume four. Um, I hope to sell this out in the next like um, three, five months or something like that. It's a beautiful so. thing. So you're doing it all yourself. You, you, you mm -hmm. mail them out from your house and everything. Yep. Yep. In that's what I do. I handle my own merch. You got to handle your own merch. I tell everybody, don't let nobody handle your merch unless you're like a billion dollar corporation. But um, <clears throat> anything, anything, you know, in the small business level, you know, you got to handle your own merch or you're going to get ripped off. There's just yep. no other way around it. People totally. will rip you off. Um, <clears throat> I remember I had a guy making 
uh, 10 planet stuff for me back in the day. I was just too lazy to even mess with merch. So you got a company go, Hey, I'll do your merch and I'll give you 10% or whatever. And then I'd see my merch all over the fucking world, man. And I wasn't like, I was supposed to get a check every month and you know, and the checks were like $230. And uh, then there was like two or three months where I didn't get anything and I didn't say shit. And I'm in Australia and I, d- I did a big ass Australia. There's like a big ass seminar. There's like 80 people there, maybe a hundred. And they all had my gear on. And yeah. I like, I've heard of that. Fuck? What the fuck is going on? How's, how's all my gear being sold all over the world? And I haven't got paid in the last couple months. And the, the time I did get paid, it was 230 bucks. So, eventually you learn yeah. you gotta you gotta handle your own merch you gotta you turn your garage into a storage unit and you do it yourself and you make all you make all the money and there's no middleman to rip you off you know so yeah i also i also uh keep these limited right so once i produce a volume i don't produce it again and people learn this by now the people who missed out on volume one they're, they're begging, they're asking people to post it, they're asking for auctions and things like that. And so I actually prefer the, the intimacy of people owning uh, a small amount of prints that end up, you know, comparatively to the, the conglomerates that print how many millions of books. I, I keep them like in, in the thousands. This last run is only 2,500 uh, copies. The first one was 750. Um, and so I kind of keep it in that range because I just want them to be for the people that are, you know, are loyal who really do want the book, not just like some like, oh, I picked up this kind of book. You know, I, I want people to know the memes who own the book. Obviously, you're awake. Obviously, you're not a zombie sheep. And I want to get it. I want to get into your red pill moment. Let's sure. let's take let's take it back. Um, you said you you were in in comedy circles, mm-hmm. and obviously you do some music because you do some some parody music too. Mm-hmm. I've heard a couple of your songs are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I might do the same thing. Yeah, uh, I, I've never written as much. I've always written comedy songs. I've always written songs to uh, just make fun of my friends and shit. Like mm-hmm. that. never thought of ever making an album or recording them professionally. I just always make songs based on a situation that only three people will get only mm-hmm. six people will get mm-hmm. you know what i mean but over the scamdemic man i I've, i wrote a lot of songs man and and they wrote themselves really it was just so easy with all the idiocy going on mm-hmm. um, i just started writing songs again not even thinking that, that i was going to make an album i was just writing song after song you know covid songs and stupid shit mm-hmm. um you know, songs about the, I got a song about the riots and shit, but and then little by little just kept writing more and more. I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to make an album. <laughs> so I'm, I'm right in the middle, about 80% done with uh, uh, a comedy album. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> great. That's the way to attack all this stuff. Cause you know, you and I, and probably many other people we know in these overlapping sort of uh, uh, truth or communities, there's, it gets significant. Sometimes we get intense. We get like, it's like a war and I get all that, but sometimes the best way to deliver the truth is through some something infectious like like comedy like laughter something that can get through the skin and people can accept it and and kind of lighten people instead of weighting them down because i'm sure you and i both have uh spend our time once in a while we'll hit a topic live streaming and it'll be like a weight on people's shoulders where they're like oh shit like like i almost wish i didn't know that kind of thing and so we almost have this weird uh you know dichotomy we have we're we're obligated to point to the truth but also we're obligated to in a way 
to keep people uh, light about it too, which is, it's a hard balance to play. Cause you know, a lot of this stuff, when you realize the truth of the matter, you've been lied to at several, several scales to, to the magnitude that we're lied to um, you get mad. Right. And so that, and that's fine. It's just that that moment has to also pass. And so I, you know, we have like, kind of like a, like an ability to do that if we can. And so that's, I think that's great that you're making uh, some music because that's a, that's a way to share this, the, the information. I, I read a quote somewhere and I have no idea who made it up, but I'll never forget it. It's just, it's so powerful. It's uh, it's when, in, when you're telling the truth, make them laugh or they'll kill they'll you. kill you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, damn. Yeah. I don't know if that was Mark Twain. Definitely wasn't Einstein. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, it was someone like that. Yeah, I remember that was quote. That? Yeah, they'll, they'll kill you. Yeah. Oscar Wilder? Oscar Wilde, yeah. I think yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was either. I'm like, yeah. when I read that, I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it makes sense, you know, because if you can make them laugh, then how are they going to kill you? They're laughing. Right. I learned that a little like when my my red pill moment was probably 9-11. Well, a good friend of mine just started because I was a jewelry maker. I'm a metallurgist. And so they started asking me like randomly, you know, they just be like, Jimbo, like out of nowhere, Jimbo, you know, what does steel melt at? And they just kept asking. I would like respond and to sell like sit, tell them about platinum. And I'm like just like this kind of like I, I'm taking this like autistically. I'm not getting he's I'm not getting what he's putting down and finally it clicked. And I think that was the moment where I started looking into things like that. And, uh, you know, I don't know, different people handle it different ways, but um, the way I handled it wasn't even necessarily good. I, I was like, wow. Like, so everything, so everything is now in question. And that's usually, you know, how it goes where you, where some big event you're lied to about and you immediately take that and go, Oh shit. Like where else is this now? And then you, you gotta, you get kind of manic, honestly, like I did. And so I had to go through that and then start to like calm down a little bit and start to uh, see the humor in it all, because it is absurd. You know, you start looking at some of the stuff that, that uh, is uncovered in these like outlier communities and it be, it almost becomes funny at some point. Um, where it's so absurd, some of the things that they're telling you that you just start laughing, you know, like anything recent from NASA, like, a, you know, like a missile hitting an asteroid or something. I now uh, purely interpret that comedically now, whereas like yeah. only a year ago, maybe two years, I'd be like so fury. I'd be like foaming. Dude, you need you yeah. need to make a meme about you know, last week we supposedly landed some shit on an asteroid uh-huh. and they put mm-hmm. it on, they fucking had it on CNN. They put it on. CNN. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, whoever greenlit that is probably hanging in a closet mm-hmm. with some rubber bands. Right. Yeah. That was a bad move. Nobody bought that shit. No, I no. Post, I posted no. that out on my Instagram, the, the news clip from CNN. I posted that on my Instagram, dude, 95% were like laughing mm-hmm. their balls off. And then every now and then you'd have someone fucking angry as shit. Oh, listen, look at all the idiots in the comments. They think they understand space. Mm-hmm. Why don't you read a book? I love that. Read a book is mm-hmm. my favorite one. You like which read book? A, read a book is my favorite one. Read yeah. a book. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Wait, which are... book? Which book? Which exactly. one? Which exactly. One? Which one? Read a book? Anyone? Anyone? Any jo- read a book. Read a book. Read a book. Which one? One written by Henry Kissinger, one, yeah, written right. by, one written by, can you imagine Nancy Pelosi's book? You want me to read that book? 
Mm-hmm. Which book? Which book? How do we know which book? So shut the fuck up. If you like reading books, you know, more power to you. I'm I'm not into reading books. I don't yeah. Yeah. I want to see a documentary. Show me the show me people you know, now even a documentary is hard to believe. You know, oh, yeah, totally. All, so but at least there's uh it's harder to lie and to deceive in a documentary it's a little hard you can you can make it i mean there's many documentaries that are totally propagandized but it's way easier if you just like type shit like you just type whatever the fuck you want oh look what it says right here oh look what it says right here look what it said right there look what it says right there like how do you know anybody can write anything yeah. how do you know what the fuck you're how, well you know those people also don't really they aren't they aren't really about the book i call them look at the screen like you never i always go like look at the screen like because these people at the nasa or even the people eating it up with their their, their shirt the nasa shirts and stuff oh, i love they're shirts. just looking at a screen with data that's it that's all that's happening right oh yeah look at oh, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah i love that one dude yeah. it's so good yeah and that gets swapped out with anything you know because there's always another layer right so you, you get into one layer and you think you know and then you and, and you can't another. get in trouble they're, they're yeah. genius because they, these are like memes that 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 are uh can be very powerful in like a super communist country right mm-hmm. Cause you really, how are you going to get busted for that? What do you say in there? You have to really, it's so inside. It is. That's why they uh, beat the algorithm most of the time. Cause even with the text and the image, they might be able to sift out certain texts and just give like a general warning, which they've done. Yeah, yeah. But because the, the subtlety and the context, I'm actually trusting the audience to connect the dots for me. Yeah. So, yeah. and I feel like that's a, that's really good for comedy in general, whether it's, you know, uh, writing or, or anything else is that you trust that your audience is going to figure out everything such that you can you put it in a way that the computer uh, the algorithm is not understanding the context exactly. Um, and that's how you get by most of the time or just change the text and misspell a lot of words, which, which I've also had to do before. Sam Tripley and I are coming to your town. Catch us on the road doing tinfoil hat comedy. Follow me on Instagram at tinfoil hat comedy night. February 24th will be in Spokane, Washington. February 25th will be in Tacoma, Washington. Go to samtriply.com for more information and to buy your tickets. See you on the road. Remember this? But I was, uh, when I first got into your memes, um, I suggested, like, mm-hmm. a meme. I suggested a meme and you didn't do it. And, I, and you know, of, you know. And then you didn't I, talk to I, me for like two years. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. No, but, but when it's the same thing, like, you know, I make music, um, I write comedy. And when someone says, Hey, you should make a joke about this. It's kind of annoying, right? When someone tries to tell you how to do your art, you know what I mean? It is kind of, I, I get it. Cause when people try, try to tell me like how I should write a joke about this, or I should write, write a joke about that, even though it might be good advice. I still feel like it's got to come from me. I can't, it can't I've actually from- learned, I've actually learned to accept suggestions. Cause I also know in the end, because uh, I've some people have delivered de- uh, really good ideas, and I and what I realize is that I have to deliver it in the way um, in my own flavor or whatever. Totally, and, totally. And it's not even just like I need it to be me. It's just because 
it's like my brain needs to frame it in a way that makes sense to me that it would that that it would be delivered a certain way. So, do you remember the the uh, the concept? I actually have the meme. I'm oh, a, yeah. Actually, oh, yeah. I had I had my one of my students who's a who's a great artist too. So he kind of made it in in your style, sort oh, cool, of, cool. but not quite. It's not yeah. quite your style. And uh, check this out. So this yeah, is, yeah. Can't oh, yeah, wait! Yeah. Can't wait for the new variants. Hell yeah! yeah totally. <laughs> Stay home, be a hero. <laughs> totally. That's like that's oh, like it, that's like uh, that's a ripoff of uh, Jim Bob right there. Right. No, that's, it. It's totally uh, welcome. It's totally that, welcome. I mean, isn't that your 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 style though? Totally. It, it is. Work. Yeah. You could you could see the format and the simplicity of it, and you know, people are like, "Oh, that's Jim Bob's style," and what they mean is that it's 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 barely drawn. It's just it's just it's just kind of on the page, and and that's the way to do it. I think. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. get into too too much detail. Yeah. You just want the really you want the um the 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 joke in the image just to be as stripped down as possible. A lot of my editing en- ends up being the words like removing, like removing words that you don't need. And it's actually grueling. Sometimes people think of like comic writing is like, Oh, you just say the joke and just do it. And, but it's not always the case. There's a, there's like a way to do it. And uh, I don't know if other people can relate to this, but like you're constantly looking at it and going, like it's not, you know, it sounds silly because you're looking at this dumb meme, right? But yeah. you're like overcritical of it because you need it to be as short and sweet as possible. Yeah, Joe, that Joe Rogan, you know, he always gives people advice on comedy and it's always great. Joe Rogan's the fuck he destroys. I've I've seen him 2000 times and he he's only I've only seen him bomb once. It's because he got too drunk. He couldn't even talk. But other than that, he destroys every every. He levels everybody. And um, one of his one of his um, pieces of advice to me and to all his friends who do comedy is: you got to edit your shit. You, it's a, you got to pull out the words you don't need. He always talks about that. What you just what you just said very important. You got to pull out the words you don't need. You got to economy. Uh, of words is is very important in comedy. You can't say, you know, when you start adding extra shit that's not necessary, that's amateur shit. So yeah, it, it takes the mind away from like the where you're focusing, like where you're going. Because one word misplaced or or not needed can send a brain into a whole other. It's almost like you know that that old Bing commercial where just like people are saying words and then, and then they have a word association that it takes their thought away. It remove like, if you, if you don't edit, you just, uh, you lose your focus. The, the, the listener actually loses focus. Cause you're, you know, they're like, Oh, he said refrigerator or he said a certain kind of refrigerator. That's, you know, not a part of the joke, but now I'm thinking about that. And, and, uh, yeah, I would, I'd actually agree with that. Uh, that advice yeah that's huge that's huge and uh joey diaz gave me advice too he said uh, i went out early on a in uh, on the main stage in the comedy store and i felt really confident and i just went out there and just got right into some like dark shit like some kind of like adrenochrome joke or something like that you know hillary eating babies or something Mm -hmm. it was some joke Mm -hmm. and silence crickets right from the get-go and it just killed the energy and I couldn't get the audience back. I just came out too dark, too quick. And <clears throat> I went backstage and Joey said, listen, Eddie Bravo, you can't go out there and just put it in their ass, man. You gotta tickle, you gotta tickle, tickle uh, their, their clit, they play with their clit. 
and a nibble on their ear a little bit. You just can't put it in their ass, man. And I'm like, that, that sounds like exactly that. the advo- <laughs> advice from him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how yeah. did you get, how did you, okay. So you, you were born in, in LA and raised in LA? No, no, no. I was born in the Catskills, uh, New York. Um, oh, you upstate know. New York? Uh, not quite upstate, according to the hardcore, like the Catskill Mountains, like a, a little ski resort. Mike, Mike Tyson area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Around there. Mm-hmm. And, yes. uh, and you, um, you, when you were growing up, what did you want to be? You want to be a rock star or something? No, I was actually, um, this weird kid where I was really good at art, but also really good at sports. And so, uh, I leaned towards sports, uh, but you know, we, we grew up in this tiny town. So this is like D school. So, you know, we got good enough at, at some of the sports where we were playing a schools and like basketball. Uh, but you know, realizing you're not going to be an athlete uh, happens pretty quickly once you graduate high school. That's, if that's not my story. I yeah. found out in ninth grade. I thought I was going to be a football player. My two, I wanted to be a football player or a rock star. One of those two, whichever came first. And in ninth grade, I, I realized, oh, shit, I'm too small, too slow. And Mexicans don't play football. I realized that. Mm. Oh, shit. Yeah. We need some socialism and sports. We need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want. I want to. There's 31 teams, 32 teams. We need at least five Mexican quarterbacks. You know? Oh yeah, the, the affirmative actions going. I always make the joke, uh, you know, about uh, how they're gonna like NASA's ultimate goal is uh, ends with putting just like. Um, you know, paraplegics in space. And eventually the most effective thing would just be like an armless, legless person just floating. And, and it's all under this guise of equality. And like, you know, cause oh, totally. their yeah. thing is like there's space for everyone. That's like their tagline, which is so funny. Cause that's obviously a social paradigm concept that has nothing to do with like engineering or, you know, space travel as they, as they tell us it's, it's all about like social uh, you know, unification of all things. And I, I just laugh at it because they actually do um, neuro, uh, they do outreach for autism and neurodiverse. They have like camps, right? The, the NASA and you, and you start to put it together that why would you do outreach? Obviously we know they want to get to the children early, right? Get them on the yeah. paradigm under, make them think that they're, you know, interacting with a, a computer is flying a Mars ship, uh, you know, some Jeep at on Mars or something yeah, like this. Yeah. They get them really early, but specifically autistic people and neurodiverse, as they call them, they're perfect candidates. They're perfect because you get them in the setting, you put the goggles on them, uh, you get them interacting with a computer, you get them uh, driven technically, and they're socially awkward. So they're not going to pick up on like deception and lies and things. They're going to do their thing, get their lanyard and really be excited when the uh, screen pops up and tells the, the, the room full of masked people that uh, they landed a Jeep somewhere, right? You know, on some light out there and uh, they just sell it. And now it all makes sense because they, you know, that's also their shield, right? So then if you, if you make fun of NASA, now you're making fun of the gays and making fun of like, you know, the, the, the broken minded, so to speak, and all these people. And so they actually, I'm starting to see why they, they approach these people from a very young age. And then these parents were dealing with some, some kid that's like, you know, I don't know what to do with them, right? He, he can't concentrate in school. And then, you know, Don Pettit shows up. I, I will take your kid from you. Uh, Dude, that's so good. You got a <laughs> yeah. great Don Pettit. Oh, oh yeah. Don, I, I embody Don Pettit. 
Can you, know, you do the whole? I would go to the moon in a I, nanosecond. We could, we, well, we could go to the moon in a nanosecond, but the problem is we uh, destroyed the technology. <laughs> and it's, it's too difficult to rebuild. Uh, even, you know, that's equivalent to me saying that we did our first heart transplant in 1962 and we forgot how to do it. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I do, I do uh, live animations dude, of dude, Don you, Pettit. Dude. There's a lot of juice in that one, dude. You can go far with that one, dude. Don Pettit. And oh, yeah. Are you are do you are you the one running Don Pettit in space with all the meat and the beef? Have you have you seen that Instagram? Uh no, I don't think so. But I, I maybe I have seen that. I'm dude, not running there, that. No. There is a Don Pettit in space Instagram. Fuck, dude. You, you gotta, uh, you gotta, be, you gotta follow this guy. It's hysterical. This guy is totally obsessed with Don Pettit. It's hilarious. Is it, is it an ironic way or he actually believes it's, it's occurring that the, no, no, no. He for no. sure is making fun of him. Okay, good. And yeah. there's a lot of beef. Uh, I don't know the origins of the beef, but somehow he keeps coming back to space beef. Something okay. about Don. I'm sure Don Pettit did a video at some point and he's explaining space beef or something. I knew there so. was a clip. I know there was a clip where he's like, and I bet you're wondering how I smuggled this egg up into space. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The people think the people thinking, yeah, we wonder. Dude, it's, um, that's so good. Yeah, dude, I do oh, like, uh, I'll have him singing songs on my live stream. I, I, uh, I did a whole section of, I called it Don, um, Don Petty, where he's, he sings Tom Petty songs. Um, and he gets really into it. And okay, uh, okay, we got it. We got to just just play some Don Pettit, just that regular one we play all the time, just so people who don't know who Don Pettit is, we're gonna blow his ass up right now. Oh, yeah, go to the moon <laughs> in a nanosecond. Uh, the problem is we don't have the technology to do that anymore. We used to, but we uh, uh, destroyed that technology, uh, and uh, it's a painful process to build it back again. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that guy is hysterical. Yeah, remember, Look at remember his the, eyes. Remember How about the, when, when? Go ahead. I was gonna say, remember the dude who went in and is asking questions about like, you know, Don, what happens when the uh, the seal from the windows break? And he's yes. just like. He's like, well, they would probably seal the cupola off. And uh, there's also some protocol. He's like the head guy, right? So he doesn't know the protocol. For, you know, I, that, that video is awesome. Well, can we find like some Don Pettit shit? Because this Don Pettit needs to be fucking more famous. Not enough people know about this guy. This guy I should think they would question. I think they would question more if they saw the levels of Don Pettit that exist out there. I want to know the real, like, if there was a documentary, the real Don Pettit, and they go through his life and how NASA selected him. Dude, Young age, yeah, yeah. Dude, if you knew, if it was like truthful, oh, totally. Like the real, the truth behind Don, he, he's got to have a great story. That story's, I would watch that shit. Yeah. In a wet trash container where. <laughs> Oh, they, they won't get all part. stinky. <laughs> <laughs> That's that little rubber bag down off of the. <laughs> you smash them as small as you can, and then the the bag <laughs> there is it. held Don on with Pettit a big rubber space. band. That's you the just one right there. Pull it off, stick it in the bag with all Let the other run. wet wrappers that are contaminated with food. Oh my! Oh wow! Look at that. That's. That's perfect. <laughs> That's hilarious. Setting your mind that this is a, an option I want to pursue, and then you roll up your sleeves, and you don't take no for an answer, and you keep knocking on the door. And in my case, I had to knock on the door four times before 
it cracked open and I was able to shove my foot in the crack and then they couldn't close it anymore. And I snuck in. Yeah. Wow. Can you describe your philosophy on how everybody makes the their own future? <laughs> and maybe one key lesson is to recognize opportunity when it knocks and then put out the effort to take advantage of that opportunity because things can happen where uh, a door may open and it may open for a short period of time and you can decide do I want to go through that door or do I let that door close and then wait for another door to open and it's up to you to decide which opportunity do I want to spend my effort pursuing. He's basically in like a daycare center That's like, why for adults. I made this cup. You made so the cup. you can drink your beverages from an open container, you can smell them. You have to be able to improvise with what you have on your mission. And have so you I seen this gym, Bob, or is this new? No, I've never seen this. Dude, this is like incredible. Incredible. And yeah, this so looks like a parody. I looked around and I found a piece of plastic. It's an incredible sense of accomplishment when you have I have a theory something. about it could be simple. Have a it could be have complex. A but the fact that you made something and it fulfills he's, he's not doing anything. There there's no better feeling than that. I have a theory on this. The question is why do they have a retard representing NASA? Is it on purpose? And then they have a reason and then someone Someone, Illuminati dude says, dude, they're doing it. it. They're using a retard because of this and that and that and this and that and that. And I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't think about that. Damn, that's genius. Shit. Or, or it could be that. Or, you know, um, NASA been getting like $19 billion a year for a long fucking time. I, like, damn, when is it going to be a trillion? They're getting like every year, $19 billion? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of millions, dog. That's a lot. So, and it keeps coming in. Years fly by and then boom, boom. So I bet initially when they first started getting uh, off the ground and they like were just, they, they were like laundering money and they were taking most of that money and somebody was, you know, you take that, I'll take that, boom, we send it that way, we send it that way, and then we send that, and then it comes through here, and then we go blah, blah, and then we still got to leave like, like uh, 20 million to make the CGI shit that we got to do. And uh, and uh, maybe at first it was, maybe maybe at first they go, fuck, they were so happy that like, you know, we'll just keep 15 billion, we'll just do what we got to do with that money, and then we'll leave 4 billion for the fucking green screens from like, the, you know, German green screens. They got all the good shit, you know what I mean? And they're spending all this money. And then over the years, you know, people get used to the, the money they're expecting and they want more. You know, they want it. They got 15 billion. They were cool. We'll take 15 billion. Retar what you're saying is retarded people aren't greedy. No, what's happening is year after year, that money that's allocated for the fucking green screen shit, latest green screen technology, they're fucking siphoning that money too. So little by little, boom, that budget, that budget to make shit, they just, they just, you know, cause like who's gonna keep on with the scripts? They never have anything to say. Someone, they, got, they can't even pay anybody to write something cause they don't even know what to write. Every time they ask a motherfucker on the International Space Station, 
what the fuck you guys doing up here? Tell us about it. Shit. What's fucking that? You know what they, you know what they, they end up say, saying, right? They, they always say, yes. They say, we're doing a lot of science up here and we're doing science to get us back to the moon, then to Mars, and then beyond in the solar system. They say that's, something that's they, say they say something like that, but they always end with, and from up here, the important thing is that there are no borders or differences because we're all just tiny like ants yeah. and you don't matter. Yeah. They always end oh, with yeah. that, right? Always. Totally. Like like the like um uh one world government people mm-hmm. they were like, you gotta throw that in too. Mm-hmm. I bet maybe it wasn't in there on a speech, and boom, real quick they go, like, well, dude, we gotta add that. We shit. could do that, yeah. No borders. No, 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 no. We yeah. had a boom, but we had just this is fucking ten seconds, dog. It's just ten yeah. seconds. Just to give people Trust a sense me, of the okay. money thing, because I always hear people, the NASA fanboys go, Yeah, but it's a money issue. I I tell them, listen, what the money that they they required that they allocated then right back in the day what they said was allocated to space travel right as we saw it on the animation and all of that they said not it's equivalent to 3.9 million dollars now that's it nasa gets 63 million dollars a day on average right that's throughout a lot the of year millions. so that you take 3 of 3 of that or 4 of that or 5 of that and that should be equal to the amount that they spent in total for space travel, according to their documents. So when everyone, when anyone comes to you with the money argument, you just, you just go side by side and you go, okay, 3.9 million equivalent today, uh, back in the day, 69 through 73 or whatever. Um, and now we have $63 million per day spent on what, right? What, uh, uh, you know, an image, uh, an on the fly interview, someone throwing water in a free fall machine, right? And then uh, someone ending with there's no borders. That's it. That's what the public gets. And, you know, there's a good question. Where does this money go? Um, so they don't have they don't have money for riders anymore, man. They still they stole. I bet nowadays there's probably nothing left because like like 19 billion dollars sounds like a lot to most people. But at that level, they're like 19. Fuck, man. You know, because they still they got up to 19 and it wasn't always 19. There's videos of of NASA you know, in front of Congress, fucking trying to pass a bill because they need a, we need fucking more money. Dog. Mm-hmm. We need more money. Yeah. There's video of that shit. Heads of NASA going, you know, and, uh, you know, and there's one congressman going, okay, so what are we doing? Um, uh, like a Rand Paul, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Where are we what, going? What do we do? Yeah. What do we do? Where are we going? Where are we going next? Are we going to the moon or Mars? What are we doing next? And the head of NASA is like, well, first we need to go, back to the space station four times this year boom we need to go back four times and then but then go okay 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 forget about space station but what are we doing after that what's next moon or mars what are we doing because right now the we're, we're trying to get together these missions and go what are we doing are we when are we going to the moon what are you and they're arguing in congress about shit like this so it wasn't always 19 billion you know they, no. they worked their way up to it yeah yeah, and they always, and they hire enough people at least um, to do a lot of like uh, imaging, obviously, and a lot of um, you know data delivery systems. And so this is what this is the trick about it. Everyone always goes, oh, "You know how many people have to be in on it?" This is the dumbest argument, by the way, is that you you don't need a lot of people in on anything. You can you just give people a job that's paying them eighty grand a year. They're doing a compartmentalized task. They're really doing something. In other words, the there are people who actually build contraptions and things on, in some hangar somewhere, but they 
they're under the impression that it's going to do something, but they're never carried along to to see it into its uh, its full effect, right? They're they're compartmentalized in one section. They give it off and they go, I don't know. If you ask questions about how it works, right in space, how do you get propulsion? What happens in this case? These people who are building don't have answers. They get, they always defer. And I've studied a bunch of like NASA. You know, these people like go into like the NASA um, uh, engineering departments. All these like science, yeah, I call them blues clues for science, right? The, these these talking heads on um, on YouTube who go in and interview people from NASA, and when they get to a hard question, they always go, "No, I mean that would be a question for someone else in another department," and it's never answered. So this like deflection of a responsibility and knowledge is you can actually witness it, but you have to see enough enough footage from people interacting with NASA people directly. And I don't think most people do that. They, they see, what do they see from NASA? They see the talking heads, they see the CNN, they see a fake um, zoom in, the most ridiculous thing ever I've, I've seen so far. You know, that it, it's almost as, that latest thing about the missile hitting, um, you know, some meteor uh, is as ridiculous to me as that old school stop motion crap from from like 1969 like they're equal in absurd in how absurd yes. they are that's what i'm saying they don't have any money left they're stealing everything they're getting greedy that's yeah. a, that's a theory that's a theory because how is it so bad it's so fucking bad they have that's why don pettit never says anything Maybe they got him because he's this crazy dude who's really good at just repeating just like general uh, positive life themes and shit, you know, and or maybe they tell him what to say and it's really easy to remember and they just say, just just go with it. You know? I think you pick people like Don Pettit because maybe his mindset, he really does believe something's happening. Maybe like people, we have to consider things like that where. You know, like if you get into the dark stuff like CIA ops and like all this like mental, um, you know, mind control um, uh, stuff that they've been practicing and wanting to execute perfectly. I mean, that's like a dark version. Who's to say that can happen on these like other softer levels, right? In different fields. Of course, they, they could do that in different fields and, and not have it so spooky, right? They could just have it like, you know. Like I covered this one dude named Tyler, right? He He's just like Don Pettit in the way he speaks, in the way he interacts. You can tell something's off, something's missing socially there, but it suits him. He He's going through, he's going through his computer and he's going, well, I, I get to sit at this computer and what NASA delivers me data that then turns into a 3D model of Mars, in which case I put these goggles on and then I am able to steer the rover. And he's literally playing a video game. Like, like not even a really good graphic one. He's playing a video game and he doesn't, he, he's invested in not seeing that he's just playing a video game. So you get this investment, right? So there must be some uh, leverage and money still involved so that these people can have the status that they have. Like maybe it's the lanyard and their NASA shirt, the official NASA shirt they wear. And then they go to the parties with the, with NASA and, oh my, my you know, the, the, all the family, oh, Tyler, my cousin Tyler works for NASA. You know, like this kind of like that ends up being almost like the status, right? Is that's the currency is to be able to say you're, you're one step from NASA. And why would you, why would those people, give that up, right? If they don't have a, if they're getting paid tons of money, right? They don't have the capacity to see in a, into another uh, department. 
right? They can't I'll, cross-reference. I wonder but, little by little, you know, they just start shrinking the, the staff at NASA headquarters, you know what I mean? And then I wonder eventually if it'll ever get to the point where there's just like fucking three people in there, the security guard, one motherfucker who... Or it's who, just uh, a deep fake, a deep fake <laughs> image of them landing like another thing, there. right? Everybody just works from home, COVID. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. Everybody who just works from home. They could pull that off. I, I oh, think yeah. they could pull that off. There's probably yeah. nobody in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, and once in a while they shoot a scene where everyone's, you know, they, they're clapping violently looking at the screen. I love that screen. shit. That's, yeah. so, that's so hard to fake. I mean, come on. To get a bunch of people in a room. No, they believe it. They, they like, believe it. Yeah, I believe they believe it. I yeah. believe they're watching this like, their cartoon shit yeah, and they yeah. go, damn, we did it. We yeah. uh, won a video game. And right. then they get all happy. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, oh, this is, means another round of funding, maybe, or something like that. It's fucking hysterical that people still believe that shit. You know that uh, CNN footage of the, the landing on that asteroid? <laughs> Hilarious. I sent that to uh, um, a couple of uh, good friends of mine that uh, Look at this girl believe all that shit. Oh and I was like, I was just like, I got no response from them. I'm like, yeah. like I'm like, you, do you believe this? I just said, do you believe this? Boom. I got no response. Those are this is the rocks most of- on the surface, Those are the rocks. surface of some kind. Big cheers going up here inside the John Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory. Aaron, you just think about how much time and energy the people in this room uh, have have how much time and effort they put into this? Look at all that fake uh, the girl on top. Yeah, the girl on the yeah, exactly. Wait a minute. One of them, one of these three, not have a little uh, doubt. The only time that you're going to cheer for a lot. This guy this kind of looks like. Uh, I hope this maintains. Yeah, he's like, I like it so far. I like it. Please like, don't go. Oh, no, I love it. Keep it. Keep it. Look at this. The double. Yeah, that's, yes, yes. That thing. Yes. Okay. Can, can I get another one of those? And where are they? Look at this. Like they're literally looking at nothing. I mean, there's just data d- being delivered I mean, to them. That's it. You're talking about that they That's it. There's this guy knows that guy. Check him out. He's <laughs> that guy knows. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They got to have the, the one uh, rank handler guy. Supervisor. Knows. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> they're like, make sure they're celebrating. Make sure they're celebrating. <laughs> He's the director. OK, everyone, you guys ready? It's about the land. Everybody ready. It's about the land. Watch. OK, ready? Oh, it landed. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, it landed. This is what I call in their world. They called the guidance system, um, the system, you know, that these these women, you know, constructed and programmed so that the astronauts, you know, reach the moon on time. They always use this program, this this phrase, the guidance system. And I actually believe that the guidance system is um, is what is there. They're pointing the guidance system toward the public. So the, all the people in that room, they're under the actual guidance system. So it's not actually. Uh, a fake guidance system. It just has nothing to do with rockets. This is prison guard. All right, whether I, whether I sweep them, whether I put this butterfly in here and sweep them, I shuck squeeze the gift wrap and boom, and now I'm on his back. Maybe I sweep them the other way. Maybe I put this butterfly in. Having that go the double arms, and then shoot this through, boom. And then I go, bam, look where we're at, boom. A, sh- a shoulder crunch attempt um, is probably, like all sweeps, 20% at best success. But doing it from here, if it doesn't work, I still got him. I used to go here, boom, and then come here and come up this way. That's what I usually do. All that is prison guard, all right? It's all off homie control. 
homing control, again, it's like the mission control of, rubber, of uh, prison guards. It has to do with guiding people's minds. Like they're they're literally guiding those people to a belief that they can't verify. They're stuck it's in a like, room with it's, screens. It's a it's a punked, and they don't. It know. is. It's a it's, it's a an punked. internal. It's a, a punked forever. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's and a, they never with no it. reveal with no yeah. reveal. <laughs> they <laughs> never do the reveal. They're being punked. Can you imagine? You could do that. You're like, we got a group of people. You know, when they describe the the prank, we got a group of people that think that they're landing a rover on the moon, and <laughs> they could easily do that. You You've seen the you've seen the British show where they convince a bunch of normal people that they went to space, right? Uh, they actually shot a show where they convinced a, a, a bunch of normies they were going to go up to space, and they did exactly exactly the way uh, someone like you and I would lay out how you would do this if you were to accomplish it on on, on four willing brains, right? And they they do it, and they convince them. It breaks down eventually which I think is part of the psyop of the show because these shows, they never get like forwarded unless there's some um, ending conclusion that you see, you know, they could fake it a little bit, but not really, right? It's too hard to fake. I don't believe it's too hard to fake. Actually, if I was given, um, you know, five, five million, ten million dollars, um, I think I could effectively start a, a private um um, space agency from just a building and actually hire real people who believe in space and, and convince the world that, um, that we launched something, right? Because totally. it doesn't, it doesn't take, it doesn't take much. You, it takes a lot of compartmentalization though. It does take some practice in um, keeping those, those compartments separated for the right reasons. And, um, and then also incentivizing them to not cross over into the other uh, departments and start asking questions like you, you just keep them in their little location i had a dude who worked uh i knew in la he was a young guy um and he worked at a coffee shop but then he told me on the his main job wasn't that and i was like what's your main job he was like i work for lockheed martin i was like whoa that's weird why would you even work at a coffee shop he was like well my work is so intense and so um, isolated that I need to actually work at the coffee shop to manage my well-being and my brain and my emotions. And I was like, whoa, that's messed up. Well, what do you do? And he said, I'm pretty much locked in a room completing one section of a chemical reaction that I don't know the, the full potential of or what it's actually for. So he has one, he had one section to work on, right? And, and then you tell someone this and, and you realize that you can apply this because you know that that's real, right? This guy could be working on a chem, uh, chemical weapon. He could be working on something horrific, something amazing. He doesn't know. He, he's signed over his, his power to knowledge, to, to have any knowledge about it. He's just hired for a specific task. And so when people push back to me, to, you know, they come back to me with like, oh, you know, all these, you know, how can you think that this is possible? Because it's happening right now in different fields. It's happening in, in military development, you know, research and development, of course. Compartmentalized um, technicians who focus on one clear task and they actually don't, they sign waivers and they're not allowed to even know of the other things and they don't want to know. They're, they're invested in not knowing. So I think genius, if you can- It's genius. Yeah, it is. It, it works well on people who are only- uh, maybe driven by just money and stuff. And I think these people end up maybe questioning themselves later down the road, but maybe they sign the, the contract and maybe it's not worth it or whatever. And I could see people just taking a lot of this stuff to the grave. I, I know a guy in the space industry who uh, was involved in the production of the Mars Rover 
and he, he he's no longer in the space agency anymore and he likes to stay anonymous but i know a guy he's he doesn't believe that uh yeah. he worked on the rover and he didn't believe it went anywhere see see yeah he, that makes total sense and he's a total flat earther too <laughs> Yeah, those people don't get to say much either. And, and maybe they sign away and maybe like it, it's what I said, that it's it's just more prudent for them to just not get involved because like the, the amount of pressure and threats and, and stuff like that. And um, you're, you're you're a lot um, like me in in regards to conspiracy theories when it comes to uh, being. Um, I'm more attracted to how they pulled it off. Mm hmm the origins like how are they pulling this off and that's what you're doing you're explaining um how uh, uh everyone needs to be compartmentalized and that you need to master that system and it's really easy i mean they if they're not uh, to think that the controllers haven't mastered that shit like the shit they're doing with um nasa and mars it's a, i'm i'm into how they're pulling it off that's what i'm into and so are you um why do you obviously you're not buying any of uh, the space propaganda and the NASA propaganda and all that shit. I mean, when you see like, like India, they're fucking space <laughs> yeah, program. Yeah, yeah. That's the fucking best. Buy India space program really quick. Though, like it's fucking hysterical. They probably all, you know, the controllers probably all know like, you know, whatever country they're in charge of or countries or however it really works. But the people at the top of countries, however you want to, whatever you want to call them, Illuminati or whatever, uh, whatever you call them, they got to know that. They got to know uh, that it's really good for a country to have a, a space agency. You get easy to, 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 super easy to launder money. So, uh, totally. And, um, and a shows, national excellence too, like yeah, a nation national, of, exactly, you know, you know, exactly. exceptionalism. And, and it's uh it's it's a good thing for the new world order that people believe that that um, we're we're spinning on a ball. It's it's there's nowhere to go. You're just gonna go in a big circle. There's nowhere to go. Just stay right here. You'll just end up back where you started. Yeah. Or or it, on Monday, or it, the landing robot Vikram <laughs> separated from the craft. It's all about that British voice. Touchdown. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, my God. I'm only sure. the fourth country a, in the world. Oh, look at, to have look at their touching down. Controlled soft landing. Oh. Its previous mission in 2008 ended with the spacecraft probe intentionally crashing into the moon. The landing Ooh. site this time is around 600 kilometers from the lunar South Pole, an unexplored section of the moon. After landing, Vikram will release India's first lunar rover onto the surface. <laughs> it may look. be small, but it carries instruments that will measure, Hilarious. among other things, so it's water like, it's deposits. It's a good thing to have a, maybe right. like uh, in those uh, Davos meetings, maybe they decide, uh, like they, every Who year. Who gets they, to do it? Yeah, a couple, couple new countries a year, you know what I mean? India's going to get a space uh, agency in 2010 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're it like, we will so not bad. let you down. We will not let you down. <laughs> and then they ship out the CGI to Korea. And then Korea wants, like, credit, but they're not they're not uh, authorized yet. And so they're, like, contacting all these people and be like, we want the money. You know, we built, we, we, uh, we drew out that thing, you know, and we India's like, Mark, <laughs> we would not let you down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this stuff is, um, I think people start to see it, but maybe as they see it, they're not, I got to say, like normal people, like, you know, 
the majority of humans who are just kind of like living their life, trying to plan next week and such. Um, I kind of sympathize with them because they can't, they can't fully invest in this stuff uh, against it because who are they going to go to? It's not like they're going to spend their, you know, their weekend at their, at their in-laws, like showing all these videos and fighting the fight of, of like the truth of the matter. And it's like, it, it really is, um, for like a small select few of people who, who do this stuff, who kind of like look in and, and yell and scream about it. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that, but I also understand, um, that, uh, you know, recently for me, I've understood that, you know, you can't uh, expect or get mad when people, um, kind of like scoff it off or, you know, I, I've, I've, uh, learned to not take it personal. Like, even if they think I'm crazy, I start to understand where most people are that they can't even fathom going to work on Monday and having someone out like Carl in the lunchroom, you know, being like, Oh, what is it this time, Ted, you know? And, and then you're, you know, you're pointing to some next uh, big deception. Uh, most people just don't operate with that in their mind. And so um, I don't know, uh, people listening might relate to that because there is this expectation or even like a, um, an upset when people don't see it, how clear and, and ridiculous some of it is, right? It gets upsetting sometimes. Now, can you do an Indian Don Pettit? Uh, well, I first have to start here. Hey, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> I like to, I like to go to space. <laughs> oh, Don Pettit. No, do, do, he, he do, must have been selected uh, really Do young. I'll, I'll, uh, the that little um, I'd go back to the moon in a nanosecond, except we don't uh, have the technology to do that. Do that in an Indian accent, just Indian. Yeah, that that little speech in Indian. What? But Don Pettit ish. Oh, oh, it would it it would be nice to go back to that moon, but we don't have the technology. We we. It's too hard to pick up again. <laughs> I've actually heard an Indian uh, say something similar. Because um, they always go to someone else again. They always deflect to like, oh. They got to have a Don Pettit, though. They got to have one. They have maybe, to. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't sound exactly like Don Pettit, but he's like his own re- form of retardation. You yeah, know yeah. What I'm yeah, yeah. But he's Indian. They got to have one. No, that's, they have- probably, that's, that's probably when they get the packet, when the country are like, you're allowed to have a space fucking program. They're like, fuck yeah. We need a Pettit. Fuck yeah. We need a like, Pettit. You, know, you got to make sure your spokesperson is partially has partial brain damage. And you got, well, it, again, it's like a, a safety measure. Cause you don't want, it's just like the Stephen Hawking thing. Like you see a drooling guy, you know, saying shit like, Oh, there's another universe in the world. And Dude, you're like, that's the ultimate Don Pettit right there. That's the ultimate. He's, he's like the, the archetype that permitted um, sort of like this concept of like, broken people shielded by their handicaps, by their ailments, right? So you put these people um, into powerful positions and you can't question them because, you know, they have a wonky arm or something. Then you're like, oh, you just disagree with him because of his wonky arm. I think, well, the first was probably Helen Keller that I can remember, but where you're like, oh, like, let's establish something heroic about someone who clearly is not writing books or or anything like this. Um, 
that's a fun one. But but yeah, you can start that's to a new see one. the shield. There's a Helen Keller conspiracy theory that I'm that keeps popping up. I don't know that much. There's but- no way that do that. There's no way she that what she was, was what legit. Was, what was her story? She was deaf. Her story, blind. she deaf, dumb, and blind. That you know that just means zero inability to interact and communicate at any meaningful level. And if you were to establish a meaningful level, it would be like very rudimentary exchanges. Now. This person suddenly has a, a British accent in some of her videos. You're like, how'd you quite, how'd you acquire that? Um, but also it, it turns how out was she able to talk. Well, was yeah, enough. no. Yeah. What would you even know? You wouldn't know what talking was. You wouldn't yeah. even know to use uh, the voice for anything. And then, wait a minute. They, then there's video of Helen Keller talking. And it like, sounds, yeah. And it sounds a little bit British. It is not blindness. Or this mess that burns me in my darkest It is not blindness or deafness that bring me my darkest hours. It is the attitude that I put meant in not being able to speak normally. It is the acute disappointment in not being able to speak normally. Longingly, I think how much more good I might have been if I had only acquired my children's speech. Oh and then, and then it, there was some thing where the her little handler, the the translator, only she could do the little things in the hand, where it's like. She's going like this with Helen Keller's hand and they're figuring out the language oh and, you, and you go, wait a second. Like this is now uh, you could tell back then, you know, when all of these like sort of psyops happen, you could see how they were actually more uh, capable of delivering these kinds of narratives because uh, now we have phones. There's a lot of cross-referencing. Yes, there's as much n- new disinformation as there is accurate information. So we have to sift through more. But back in the, the day, if if you ran a narrative with some girl, this woman who's like, you know, defeating the odds, right, uh, in every possible way, and and you could make something of it, you could make almost like a, a brand of it and do something with it, um, he, then there's not a lot of people who can cross-reference uh you know, how silly it is or wrong. Cause you're, you don't have access to all of this other knowledge. And, and we have like massive computers right in our hands. We can check and cross-reference things. And I think that's a part of mass deception. I talk about a lot is that the reason the moon specifically is such a, a, a an effective mass uh, deception is because we don't have a reference point to argue um, um, what it would look like. So if someone says, if we say, dude, that's so fake, and they go, well, what would it look like real? Well, suddenly we're kind of trapped because we would need to know what it looks like real to say, you know, what it would really look like. And so we could just kind of use our intuition and go, that's totally bullshit. Like that's CGI, it's nonsense. Um, but the fact that we can't access any part of space is, a, is what allows them. And I, tr- I believe we can't access. I believe that there's some, um, you know, people use the term uh, firmament, which is fine, but I think uh, it's not like a crystal or glass or anything like that. I think it's density. Like, you know, you ever see the footage of the dude underwater who um, who found like this sort of black unknown material that he couldn't actually penetrate? Turns yes. out the dude died like a year later for some reason, but he was, he was obsessed with it because it was like, he couldn't go further down, but it was still like liquid feeling, right? It was something yeah. that he, that was so dense. Like, I guess uh, the the best uh, 
their thing to relate it to would be like this, the, the dead sea or something like people go there and float because it's so, so dense. You become so buoyant that the yeah. density is holding you up. I think up there that there's a, a point at which you can't penetrate, but it's not like some hard thing, right. That you can break or, or it's more like uh, a fluid of density that, that is so dense that you can't actually move past it in any way. Hmm. Interesting. That's my, my hunch because this whole thing of like pressurized systems uh, next to uh, the vacuum that they claim it is, which is 72 to the 10, the negative 10 tour, which is insane. That's like seven, some, some quintillion differential between, uh, between sea level pressure and this, uh, this adjacent space vacuum. And so these things don't make sense. And, and that's how I have approached this like side of things, like as far as like flat earth and, and that, sort of dialectic that's that's emerged i've actually learned so much about what the what um some of the current claims are and the value of that back and forth that that fun little ping pong game that i've been witnessing over the last two years or or so i've been able to look at what well let's see some of their fundamental assumptions things like space time i love it i love when people call into my stream and try to argue for bendy space time it i i have this somehow maybe it's just because i have such a reductionist view of everything through the memes that I'm able to ask them what space time is. You know, I just ask the most simple questions. I go, what's space time made out of that? It can be bent. And they're just, they lose their shit. They, they either get really mad at me or they start trying to figure out a way to explain something that's clearly conceptual. That's not physical. And they try to make it physical. And um, I've seen a lot of these tricks being played out with uh, gravity, bendy space time, mass, like what's mass, all of these questions that are now emerging. Um, people accept NASA and all of these fundamental um, um, phys- physics assumptions. And you realize that mo- a lot of these assumptions are just are just philosophical. They're not actually grounded in, in hard science, right? No one's actually figured out um, gravity as a thing right they go back and forth between it's a force it's not a force it's doing this thing and we know that again simple questions how do you know uh there's a thing called gravity affecting anything if you can't isolate it remove it and reintroduce it i never get an answer i get called all sorts of names for it doesn't neil degrasse tyson say doesn't he say uh, neil degrasse tyson says oh someone asked him what is gravity and he goes right i don't know i don't know Next question. Next question. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So that's their science. Neil deGrasse T- T- Tyson is obviously that, you know, the astrophysicist, physicist, uh, uh, you know, there's uh, that, what is it? Brian Cox. For uh-huh. Sure. Brian. Yeah. Yeah. And then Don Pettit. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. spokespeople. Oh, totally. And, and, and it's, it's pretty damn obvious. Neil deGrasse Tyson is, um, is their boy. Oh yeah. He's, he's basically like, they basically taken like, what would the format is like almost like um, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. And then they're just like, let's do that for science. Let's do that for like evolution. Let's do that for all these things. And then you get this like character, Bill uh, Bill Nye, you know, he's got his bow tie. He's like, climate change is real folks. You know, (laughs) he's just, you know, he's, he's one of the worst though. Neil, I don't know. They're both like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they just go to a lot of parties and they're, and they're, they're like love to be on the inn and, and they're, they're paid well to do this kind of shill stuff. And, uh, 
but clearly they don't know what's going on because they're never in front of people who can ask very direct questions, right? They, they always, they're always around people who like just love them. It's not a good idea to, to let people know um, in the system, in this criminal syndicate, you, you don't tell, you only let people know what they need to know. And that's good for the business. It's good for everybody. They you only need you only know what you need to know. That's it. Right. Nobody knows the whole picture. Right. It's like an, on a, on all levels, you know. So, um, what is this? Okay, what yeah, this is, is it. gravity? You have no idea. Okay, next question. Wow. <laughs> no, here's the difference. We can describe gravity. Okay. We can say what it does to other things. We can we can measure it predict no, with can. it no you can't but when you start asking me sure like what it is how do you measure something you don't know what it is he said i don't know he goes but when it cut yeah. when you ask me no. what it is i say asking, i don't know like what it is i i, I don't know so that's got to be brought up in, in the illuminati meetings like damn we need to fucking we we need to figure out how to explain gravity in a nice simple way we can't just fucking say yeah. i don't know we can't just say i don't know yeah he might he may have gotten some he might have gotten some letters you know like the the signet um you know stamps and the wax letters and his you know sent to his house where he's like oh shit you know yeah they you know i'm it, not it probably never came up it probably never came up in the meetings like what if somebody asked me what yeah. the fuck gravity is yeah that never came up they were all just you know partying and yeah shit. And yeah, Neil Tyson just uses poetry to kind of sm get out of those situations. He just he goes into like, well, he'll he'll drop he'll start talking a little more black. He'll be like, we don't know, but it is badass. And then it's like, ha ha ha, like it's so rare. You're so rare. And then, but no, he you notice how they he just actually smuggled that in. He said, we don't know, but we can describe it. No, no, you didn't describe it. You're describing effects that you're attributing to the thing you're calling it gravity. But he, he, this is how they get away with it. They conflate effect and they, conf they conflate effect and cause all the time in their language. And they're able to do it with such uh, volume because it's, it happens from grade school, right? They're able to do this. Well, that's gravity. What's gravity? Oh, the thing falling. No, that's a thing falling. Yo, that's what I mean. It's gravity. Oh, so are you saying the thing falling is gravity? Or are you saying gravity is a separate thing that's causing the thing to fall? And they go, bendy space time. Don't ask questions, <laughs> right? I got, you know, and and then the the, per, the poor kid asking that is now, you know, laughed at and called a loser and given a tinfoil hat. I say, put your hats on and uh, tighten them. <laughs> now, you were talking about a meme you made with uh, Obama dropping a, his mic and it's a mm -hmm. bomb. Mm -hmm. Where can we find that? Uh, that's older. I it might be able to I'll put that in my story on Instagram uh, made by Jim Bob. But uh, it's so old um, um, because because back then I voted for Obama. I was like this kind of default uh, liberal just, you know, cause you're culturally liberal when you're in LA in that world, you yeah. don't really think about politics. You're just kind of like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm part of a team here. Right. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so rudimentary too. Right. It's like, yeah. Did that one go viral? Uh, yeah, that went viral on the other side. Right. So the, the Republicans ran with that. And, uh, that was the other thing. And, and, you know, I was vulnerable to this is that, you know, you, you want to, you want to be a part of some uh, of people who, ex who want you. Right. And so as you leave that side of things, like the left, there's often the safety net on the right, but then, you know, um, 
and that that's great and stuff. They accept you and they're like, oh, you're going after this side of things. That's great. But then you start to see problems in that side of but that camp as well. And, and if you're a, a set, a, a cartoonist or a comedian or anyone else who's saying the truth, you got to it's uncomfortable because you have to actually point out some of the the thing, the truths in your own side. And I actually think you're more of value um, as a, quote, truther or comedian or artist. If you're actually attacking within your own, not some people call this infighting. I, I disagree with that that categorization. I think there's a way to critique your own worldview and your own side, your own tribe in a way that's uh, helpful, that that actually uh, makes people look at things, right? Because it's just too easy to point that the left and the right, and, you know, take this like, you know, Ben Shapiro approach, who's, you know, just trains, you know, the right, the left is doing this, the left is doing that. I want to remind you the left is doing that. That's pretty and then good, dude. And then you're you like, sign up, you know, you, got good <laughs> you know, sign up for the Daily Wire. I'm going to, we're going to fight the left. And you're like, okay, well, it can't just be left and right. There's obviously more nuance. Why? Because when I say we didn't land on the moon to someone on the left and someone on the right, they both call me a retard. So obviously my, you know, the team I'm on is not identical to those teams. <laughs> you do well, that's insane. You know, if you're really if you're really questioning the moon landing at this point, I mean, you're probably not a part of the Daily Wire. <laughs> in your Ben Shapiro voice, not a Don Petta voice at all. In the the Ben Shapiro character, do the I, I would go back to the moon in a well, second. No, the thing is, we 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 would go back to the moon, but the, the, there's something called the free market. There's actually no incentive to go back to the moon. If you look at the stat- statistics, and I have facts, I have it's all about facts and not about feelings. Um, my wife's a doctor, and here's the thing, folks: if we needed to go back to the moon for any reason at all, and then the private sector took over, we'd probably do that in a nanosecond. But we can't do that, and we won't do that because it's not it's not probable. Like, <laughs> dude, that's so good, man. It's like you know, think about the money. I mean. Think about all the money that can be printed right now for any given reason. Why would we why would we put that money toward the moon? We could put the money toward the Iron Dome. We can, you know, all sorts of wars and stuff we could pursue. <laughs> all sorts of wars. <laughs> Facts and logic. Oh man, folks. you got some. You could do you do animation? Yeah. Yeah, I do animation. Yeah, the thing uh use that recent voice, one you saw with Don that. Pettit, right? On my Instagram, that that I um that was done live. So I just like I, what I do is I bring up this system called Adobe character animation while I'm live streaming and I hide myself. It's on his Instagram. It's a, it's a, it's like Don Pettit as a cartoon. It's probably like within the last six or seven posts, right? Oh yeah. There's, there's one, there's one that's just posted where he's singing like, uh, people request him to sing songs. So that's the reason one. But if you go back like nine posts or something, it's, it's him, uh, original talking. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he's saying, yeah, there's room for everyone. Yeah, go down. Not that one. That's, That's the singing one. one. Okay. Yeah, he's singing. Go this one. Yeah. It, the sound. Uh, there's Our mission at NASA, we like to say, uh, there's room for everyone in space. All woman, uh, astronaut team. And then after that, we'll have the all lesbian team. And then after that, we'll have the all trans team. And then after that, we'll we'll get into the paraplegics and then the the armless people. And then we'll get into the legless people and then the armless and legless people. So this is where I'm free. This is... This is where I feel free. <laughs> this is my, this is my, my special zone. Sometimes I just, I just I close my eyes. I thank the universe 
And I thank the energies, and I thank the stars, and I thank uh, Neptune, and I and I thank um, I thank Mars, and I thank the zodiacal lights, and I I I thank um, I thank the Deidronimo, Deidronimo. Our mission at NASA, we like to say. Yeah, so I animate that, um, and then that's like, so fucking know, I'll use these, good, yeah. dude. That's so yeah. I've done many Ben Shapiro animations and stuff. Oh, you have, I, yeah. Before oh, shit. I've done things where he's like on his show and talking, and uh, and so yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm, I missed those. I missed those. Yeah, you know well, what? I get I deleted. Maybe that's I the did thing. See him. Maybe I did see him, and I just I didn't think you did it. Yeah, oh, shit, that's you. Damn. Yeah, that's okay. me doing all the voices. You could go. You could go far with that shit. Mm-hmm. You can go far with that shit. You know, <laughs> I mean, what other voices do you do? Uh, I've done, I make fun of you Richard Neil, Dawkins. Neil deGrasse Tyson? Uh, not, there's a dude who follows me who does the best one, but the Neil da- deGrasse Tyson is just like, gravity is badass. That's all he really says, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I've done like, you know, I made fun of like Sam Harris here and there and uh, Richard Dawkins, who's just con, you know, like, it's absolutely the case. No? You were a whale and then you were a crab. You were a crab. Uh, you were a crab. I was a fish. And, you know, like he, I always, <laughs> when I go into evolution d- debates and things like, I, oh, I pretty man. much rail against him. Um, I've done some funny um I've done some fun, funny animation of uh, Stephen Hawking, of course. Oh, where, shit, let me hear it. Oh, no, he, I've seen that. That's you, shit. Okay. Damn. Yeah, there's one where he's like... How could, you do, how could you do an impersonation of him? He can't even talk. Well, he's just kind of just... I just kick my neck back, and I'm like... They told they told me that I would live an eternal life. I didn't know I'd be resurrected as a hologram delivering abortion kits for Amazon Primordial. So you know, that's in the speak and spell voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But you could like um, uh, when I record it, I tweak it a little bit so it's a little bit lower. Um, yeah. You got to make it sound more robotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm rushing. I'm just like uh, he has but, the uh, worst. He has the worst uh, voice ever. He sounds like he's inhaling, you know. It's like like that's Atari type. Yeah, voice, yeah, you know? yeah. He's probably he was probably just veg. He was a vegetable from a very young age, and I think if they were would, just uploading was, stuff. If he was still alive, maybe they would have like made his voice like like like. Sex. They wouldn't have made him a singer, sex. maybe. Like just like, <laughs> <laughs> dude, how genius! Like whoever came up with the Stephen Hawk. It, it, dude, whoever came up with that, a hundred percent, he has like a very large island, not like those little Epstein ones, but a big motherfucking island that, like, bigger than Hawaii, somewhere in Greenland, for sure. That's so good. Yeah, they're like, who's writing for his machine this week, guys? You know, they're like, I'm off this week. You know, like, <laughs> uh, they're like, the the guy's waiting to say something. Like, that's another thing about this whole like protective layer of like the handicap or whatever, and the uh, and um. Basically, uh, you're weaponizing them because because if they, you know, there's a drooling dude, right, in a chair who can't talk. And anything he says, right, sounds better because he's drooling in a chair. But really, it's just like us in, in like 10th grade in our basement after a bong hit. We're saying the same thing. It's just that he's saying it like drooling, you know, and, and he's like, there's other, there, you know, there's other universes. And we're just like, what? We thought we thought about that before. Like, you're not. I saw a video on YouTube a long time ago. I don't barely remember it, but uh, it was like, um, like a, the, the video was like, uh, 
the hoax of um, Stephen Hawking's or Stephen Hawking's is a fraud. And then in that video, I don't know if it's real or not. Maybe the guy was like a legit genius. I don't know. Who knows, right? <laughs> That's why it's so perfect. Uh, but um, they're saying that, you know, there there's people that are legit in the science community that are high level, like Russians and all this shit. And they think, you know, he's, he's uh, an amateur. He's nothing like he, he's ain't saying shit. He's no, he's not. He's just a, he's like a really good, like character. It's almost like you turn science people. I think I blame nerds. Remember like Rick Moranis, that whole, like that whole, we're a part of the same generation where like nerds, basically Rick Moranis everywhere, where it's like, you're, you're turning the nerd people into the heroes, not the alphas anymore. So you're not, you're not putting the alphas as the leaders, the men who would bleed and die for their, their country or their, their, their family. You're making, there was a switch that happened and then it led to like Wired magazine stuff. And then it led to like um, the worship of the nerd as the leader Right. But really, we did them a disservice because Bill Gates should have been wedgied like he sh he should have been wedgied way more. Right. And so yeah. um, but we stopped wedging them. They were like, oh, stop bullying them. They're like, no, we're that's helping them. <laughs> but the problem is we stopped wedging these nerds and then they're trying to replace in a counterfeit way what the what the uh, the um, the alphas would normally be. The, the leaders of the countries, the leaders of tribes, the leaders of communities are now like now presented like you're there people are looking into the nerds as the leaders right and it's not the right thing you look to the nerds as technicians not leaders so now we're in this new era where the scientismo as i call them the, the scientific priesthood the medical priesthood now is looked at as the heroes they're looked at you know and you use this war language you know like is noam chomsky still alive you should have him on the show he because he studied language and how a lot of this narrative and deception is used with um, you use language to to uh, implement it. For instance, remember when all this nonsense just first happened, like two years, three years ago, they immediately turned the nurses into the front line. Right. Front line means war, like front line, you know, yeah. heroes. That means if they're heroes, you can't talk against them. Right. Just like in Vietnam, you couldn't talk against the, the, the soldiers, um, but also internally the the nurses and the the medical um elite at that uh, in that point in time couldn't actually question each other because then you're questioning each other's heroic status right you're against the the movement of this war and you start to see like holy shit like the nerd class emerged and they like kind of prop that up and then the nerd class becomes the medical class and the scientific class so you start with nerds are really cool and they're the really cool guys the the autistic are the actual cool people right not not like a brand brandon who can dunk and got mvp in every sport right he's not he's not the cool guy we're gonna make him look like the dumb racist guy we're gonna make rick moranis look like the real hero and suddenly you get this whole culture now that now we're at the we're pretty much at the result of it, which is uh, what I think is a, is a, a looming technocracy, which is, is a result from this worship of the nerd as as the the alpha male, and it's really not the alpha male. It's not the protector. It's not the one you marry to protect. A woman marries to protect them. Maybe there's some uh, you know they can provide right in this era because they can make a lot of money programming and stuff, but. This has been a big, I think this is a massive mistake that's happened over the last hundred years is that, um, is this kind of like propping up, uh, propping up of the nerd class. 
they were supposed to be wedges. kind of it can't be organic it's got to no. be there's got to no. be some kind of illuminati purpose right yeah there's something else feminize, getting feminize the man yeah yeah feminize the man is also happening um definitely um worshiping the feminized man oh you're yeah, one with the love. women now like you're 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 in touch with your feminine side and then that just ends up with a weak man and then you do the reverse to the women you're like oh you're a strong woman and you ask what the standard is and you, you look at it from across the room and it's ultimately a, a woman pretending to be kind of a man right you're like a strong woman is basically you know reframed now as pretending to be a man in my view a strong woman is more of a woman actually not more of a man that little switch happened as well um i think a lot of these switches have, have happened and i think that's why we're in the um the sort of like the trans um in general this concept of trans is way beyond the blue-haired confused kid who's going to chop his wean off it's it's transhumanism it's the basis it's the start point for moving into trans everything right transmutate all things not just you know this whole like gender stuff is just like a baseline introduction into the language and the paradigm you know i bet jay uh, dyer has done a lot of work on this too where where you're setting out the the agreement the premise you know in comedy right premise i call this premiseide where you know the news is basically a premise machine where they're just selling premises but they never tell the punchline right it's like you said like nasa's like punked but they never do the reveal um so the premise if you're a comedian you tell a premise and it has to be mostly true if not really true for then you for you to be uh, permitted to move into the punchline or the act out, you you need to at least that premise solid so that they go, yeah, totally. Sometimes the premises themselves are funny. Um, so this whole concept of like setting up premises to the public from, from the mind control aspect, from the information control aspect, you understand that I, I think they fully understand what, what controlling narratives means from the standpoint of controlling premises, because then you anything that follows after the premise is permitted if they accept the premise. So if, if you look at it through that lens, anything coming from the news and headlines and NASA, it's fundamentally telling a premise that that the public is either accepting or not just the way you would see it accepted or not in a comedy club where you're like, oh, I don't really get that premise. I, that doesn't ring, ring true to me. Right. So, I mean, they're and then they're cutting off the true premises. And I think this is happening in comedy, too, where people people often say, um, oh, you're not allowed to tell certain jokes. I actually think it's further back. I think they're in comedy. The control now is you're not allowed to tell premises that are true. Right. Because the premise of a solid premise that's true, let's say the difference between women, if, if it's hacky or difference between races. Right. If that premise can't be said then there is no punchline so you now you have to fabricate like you said you have to fake fake the inversion you have to fake some other form of 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 comedy and present it to the masses and i think people are starting to wake up now uh, you know in comedy especially, uh, especially i think it's such a important tool i think it's way more important i think i'm doing one one thousandth of what a stand-up's job is to do um to the public which is basically shine a light on all of the absurdities such that the people listening feel include like included, but not included like the gay way that they say inclusion, uh, inclusivity now. I mean, like they're sharing a part of the insanity and they're united for a moment of laughter, right? It's almost like a, you know, a necessary release valve that's now been, um, you know, 
not permitted for a while. So I hope that breaks, by the way, in, in comedy. I hope that it go I hope it goes back to being able to speak really freely about things that make you sound like like an insane person or make you sound super judgmental of certain races or people or whatever. And uh, the ability to be able to do that is actually better for, for people listening. It gives them their, their ability to like release all their weight. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what do you, what do you think's going to happen over the next couple of years? Great awakening or great reset? Um, I think in the central cities, I think we're going to see more standardization of all systems. Uh, I think the whole sustainable development, UN funded thing, I think they're totally infiltrated in small governments, local governments and police. And I think they're trying to model. um, Clearly, these large companies are positioning themselves not for bottom line, you know, this 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 notion that there's a free market and they just want the bottom line. No, they're they're positioning themselves for central cities that that, uh, to be run mostly by corporations such that um, I think the transition of a city will see a, a, it'll go from an area, like an area code to a platform. And what I mean by that is when we pick up our phone or, Oh, Eddie, what platforms are you on? You could list me platforms and each of those platforms will have community guidelines. And we agree to the community guidelines to be on the platform. I think when these smart cities, the, the internet of all things, the internet of bodies, the internet of objects, where a city becomes a fully connected technology itself. I mean, think of a city as a piece of a technology because that's how they are thinking of it. Uh, the city is a massive computer phone that, and you're a, a part in the city. And, and from that perspective, I think from the, the urban areas, the, the city, the condensed areas, um, I think corporations are gonna take over the supply chain of those, those places and um, the people who want to live there are going to trade in their, uh, their compliance, right? Whatever the community guidelines are of the platform, they'll go, fine, you're going to give me, you know, uh, UBI in all these forms. Like I get to play basically arcade style um, living, right? In this like outdoor, beautiful prison, whatever. And then I think the split while that's happening is rural people, people kind of going back to homesteading and things like this who don't want any part of that compliance based beautiful outdoor prison system that gives you everything, right? Because once you they give you everything, they can take everything. If they're giving you everything, then they can take it away because you didn't produce it yourself. You're not using your labor. You're not using land. You're not, you don't have uh, anything that uh, you're self-sustaining yourself. And, um, and that's probably why they use the term self-sustaining because they're, they, they're getting people away from thinking that they can actually be self-sustaining. And they're going to go, no, we're going to sustain you. Amazon's going to do it, right? You just live above Target in your little hub and put the virtual goggles on and we'll feed you all your kibble. The people rejecting it are going to go more to the country and it's going to be a harder life, but it's going to be um, a simpler life. And in the city, it's going to be um, an easier life, but it's going to be more complex. And I think that that dichotomy is going to start to show up more and more as these big companies like Highway, Siemens, Microsoft, um, who else? Um, Amazon, obviously, are going to start um, launching their cities. Right now, Phil, I just did a live stream. Uh, Philadelphia just launched their entire initiative on the smart city. You know, And so the whole point is, actually, if you want to see the outcome, just look up John Calhoun's mouse experiment, mouse utopia experiment. 
Cause that's what's, that's what's coming down the line for large cities who take on this kind of system. So, <clears throat> so you're saying in big cities, it's the great reset in small cities. It's the great awakening. Is that what you're yeah. saying too? They're both mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. You don't think the great awakening could smash the whole globalist plan. I think the globalist plans uh, smashes itself. Cause I don't think it's fundamentally rooted in a coherent philosophy about what it is to be human. They think that human is just wanting stuff and getting things, you know, you know, getting stuff you need and, you know, just getting food and, and then the rest is just kind of like leisure, but that's not, that's not it, right? That being human, we want um, connections that transcend um, um, conditions, uh, circumstances. Like we can, humans are so powerful that we can find really meaningful connections in the worst times ever like the no food starving near death maybe on the way to death maybe on the way to certain death and we somehow can manifest uh connections and transcendental things right um you know and so i believe those smart cities are mostly just just geared toward the notion that humans are just another animal that just consumes stuff and i just fundamentally reject that i i think most people even if they temporarily accept that, I think they're going to find a point at which they don't accept that. And I think, um, you know, that's why I encourage men to be fathers. Cause I think the first time you hold your baby, you realize, well, okay, there's more. Okay. I don't know what it is, but there's more. I don't know how to name this thing, you know, not the baby, but this, it's just love or, or something. There's something beyond um, just movements of human beings, you know, trading stuff, you know, there's, there's more to humans. And so I think they're going to eat themselves uh, in a way, the, the, the ruling class, because they have to compete with each other. Like they, they have to compete and try to make this utopian vision, right? And if history tells us anything, it's the utopian uh, vision that actually causes ends in atrocities. It's not like, it's not the other way around where it's like, my life's going to be hard. I have to harvest stuff and maintain a cow. You think of that as a, on, a, on a picture or a, a postcard as utopian, but the reality of that life is not utopian. It's very difficult. Like you have to like work for your food basically. But this other view is definitely utopian based, right? There's even one called telosa, which is rooted from the word telos, which is up, um, higher, higher purpose, you know, a telos, uh, a Greek word. Um, and so they, Obviously, these people, I think his name is Mark Lohr, who, who invented this uh, Telosa, Telosa, and it, it is fundamentally utopian. It, it's this concept of utopia and delivered with no, um, you know, no apologies, right? And I think that's humans trying to seek utopia is, is bad. It's bad. It's going to be bad. Yeah, the, <clears throat> it's hard to tell. Who's going to win? Great reset, a great awakening. Every day I feel different because, uh, you know, um, most countries like in south of the United States, like all the Latin countries, man, you know, there's so much corruption and uh, shit. There's no justice. All the cops are corrupt. You know, it's a lot of cartel power. You know what I mean? Um, uh, if it's it, a, why, to say it can't happen in the United States and it's in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, uh, that's possible living like that, like Venezuela, like destroying the economy. And then, you know, a uh, lot of, a lot of, um, <clears throat> chaos, poverty. Yeah. 
Well, we food shortages. There's a responsibility uh, specifically when I speak to myself, um, you know, and the tr- general overlapping tr- truther communities, right? Because a lot of it is like you're seeing corruption, you're seeing where it could go. Where you and I are creative people, so we could actually imagine this sort of like technocracy, this crazy world that's like so based in like a sci-fi novel and stuff. And uh, we all get the impulse to want to break down what's happening, like basically destroy something so it can't move forward. But that temptation, I believe, is also foolish because, yes, you're pointing to a system that's flawed that might have a direction that you don't even agree with that you're trying to stop or, or break away from. But destroying it is what actually produces the Venezuela. So even just because you destroy a rotten system, if you don't have something to replace it with, right, and you weren't working on that this whole time, you just have what you exactly what you just said. And so, uh, you know, I always urge people who have that temptation, which is me, by the way, I'm not like above it. I have the impulse to go, oh, burn it to the ground, you know, just some days like Tuesdays or something. I'm just like, burn it. And then I realized, okay, no, you can't just destroy because then it's just a vacuum. It's just a vacuum for people to just use their willpower. And then it gets animalistic. And, you know, you know, the the whole point is to um, elevate yourself beyond the animal, in my view. Um, You think uh, the Illuminati plan for the United States is uh, to destroy it? economically and then uh, rebuild it with the like a new you know just destroy the old system along with the constitution start a new system and with a new constitution and uh that um would obviously be a deep state based you know what i mean um what do you think i think they're going to sell as i mentioned before um in different regions it'll be a different sort of reality i think that the established corporate the, the the corporations who are working with uh, public partnerships with the with the government who want to invest in these new cities that you know the whole like you know um blm you know defund the police everyone thinks that's like some sort of like racial thing really it's just um you know it's likely that the police are run run out of funding right people don't want to be police officers and we're on the cusp of like robotics and cameras replacing policing in general so if they're all looking at like the future of the US and major cities at least and Canada and New Zealand um as um the model is China China has probably now 700 million cameras right and so if you replace police with cameras defund the police but replace it with like massive amount of surveillance, those weird robot dogs that can chase you down the street, drones, um, tracking, contact tracing, all this new technology that just coincidentally um, resulted from the, a, a Corona, you know, narrative. Oh, a Corona narrative suddenly produces the necessity for technology totally in line with like this new smart city complex, you know? So I think, that it's going to go in that direction. And I think the reason I use the term platform is that I think what you mentioned the constitution, I think that these corporate cities like outdoor malls that are totally owned by the, the corporation in conjunction with the state can get people to willfully uh, suspend their bill of rights, their civil rights and the constitution with just an agreement with the corporation. So it's like actually like consent based that's what's so fucked up about it is that you can just get a bunch of people who are like dude i want to live in that awesome dubai city it's amazing they give you everything right 
And then they're like, yeah, yeah, you sign here. We have access to your bio. I have one meme that's like, the couple's like, how much is it? We love it. How much is the apartment? And the lady's like, you know, monthly, your, your biometrics monthly. Like, yeah. you know, we want access to your bio and all your choices and all this they stuff. And, they yeah. would love that. If we ever got to the point where there were just cameras everywhere, like on every street, in every alley, in every parking lot, there's just cameras everywhere that were all synced to some like, you know, yeah. city government type shit. Mm -hmm. um, we would be we would be dumb enough as a race to buy like highlights of our week. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. Like, they got the facial recognition. We'll pay for that. So we're like gonna fund that. And so they send us, you know, and they, you, you, they know your favorite music. So they're going to put a song on it. And it's just going to be a highlight reel of like you walking out of Costco, you know, you, you walk into Subway, yeah. you know, you're driving around. But all the best stuff is going to be the driving all whenever they're driving. So it'll probably eventually evolve into like people just request nothing but driving videos. Like we don't want not walking out of stores or anything like that. And they're probably going to be the best ones. Can you imagine that? We'd be paying for I'd pay for that shit. Like, I'm just driving all through town, and they, they edit it. It's all quick mm. edits. And, mm -hmm. You know, it's all AI editing your favorite song. That's then, absolutely going to be a commodity. There's no doubt about it. That, that, that buying that, um, not only that, but, like, you get a, a database to certain kind of content that you could then make into, like, synthesize into new content. The amount of this is why it's going to be so appealing to people is like um, even the deep fake stuff like we're we're already at the point like the, the common person you and I has access to really high level deep fake that's convincing to most people. So just imagine the people who actually developed it for real like DARPA level deep fake stuff. I bet like Anderson Cooper hasn't been Anderson Cooper for like five years like like you could you could pay your grandma uh, like a you know you're you're your grandma passed away and you have this, you have a three quarter image of her and some, some of her voice from the recordings. You can, these people are, we're going to be able to pay for um, loved ones who are either with us or not to play these parts of like relaying the news. It's like, Oh, you're watching Tucker Carlson. It's like, yeah, but who's talking? It's like, Oh, my great aunt. You're like, my great aunt's actually delivering Fox news to me right now. And, and you, I can see how people will actually want this at the same time. It'll be super creepy. And, uh, and then the deep fake stuff, like, you know, you should sit, sit down and watch Netflix. They're going to, it's going to be prompted. You know, they're going to be like, would you like to import any of your contacts as, as the main characters? Right. And, and when the deep fake, the, the visual and the audio is there, which it's close to, um, to being there, you just pay to have like, okay, I'm going to watch, uh, I'm going to watch Willow and I'm going to make, uh, Eddie, I'm going to make Eddie the midget. Right, uh, it's gonna oh, be hilarious. Right, that would be <laughs> fucking hysterical. You could resell and remarket those movies. Oh man, yeah, damn, I never even yeah. thought of that. that yeah, thing. and people will pay like if it's yeah, a totally. dollar per contact. Just think of like a party scene where they're like they have some ridiculous movie on, right? Like like um Godfather or like Scarface. But it's comedic because it's all of these like friends and people who are at the party and it's been totally hijacked. Now, this is crazy because actors, there's actually a movie. It's not a great movie. It's called Congress. Um, it's with uh, Robin Wright Penn. I don't know if that's still her name. She plays herself in the beginning. She's at the end of her career as herself. She actually did this movie. And Harvey Keitel's her agent. Oh, you know, you're getting to the end. You know, people want to see Jenny. You know, they want to see the young, beautiful Robin. You know, this is over. 
And he pressures her to sign her entirety, her entire being over to a company, production company. Now the, goal, the, the rules are they can use it for whatever. They can make fake porn about with her. They can make her, you know, do anything they want because they own her being. Now, and, and it's a lump sum uh, and you're not allowed to do any performances here on out. So it get, the, the movie gets a little wild. It gets into like virtual world and cartooning. Uh, it kind of lost me when it gets too crazy, but the fundamental premise is very much, uh, uh, you know, we're at the precipice. We're at the, we're turning the corner where, you know, these actors, mainstream actors are now uh, fighting uh, against technology, but the technology that's re- representing them, Right. So they're competing with a version of themselves. But now but then maybe they'll bow out and say, whatever, you know, um, I'll just get a licensing fee every time Tom Cruise's face is is used and it's convincing and people don't care. They don't see the difference anymore. The the difference, that uncanny valley, it's called the phenomenon, the uncanny valley, where something's still not right about the image. You know, you've seen it like some weird robot or some weird uh, CGI where you're like, it's almost there, but there's something so off still. There, the humanness isn't there. Yeah. When that gets closer, I don't think they'll ever get it, but I think when it's close enough, um, people won't know what to do with their likeness because it's so easily um, reproducible. Now, the horror show of this is that any one of us uh, will have some embarrassing footage of us emerging that's not real, but it's real enough for people to believe. So... <laughs> It's going to be really messed up because there's going to be all this shit that pops up about people that's not real, but it's real enough to pass around and enjoy. But then it's then it loses its its power. So, you know, how like the shame of like a sex tape um, up to this point. Right. It's been like, oh, this got out. Well, people will just fake those about other people. And then the irony is that the the, the zeitgeist, the, the world of, of uh, media will be filled with all of this terrible shit. But it won't be real, so the terrible shit won't have the same power, but it'll still be out there because people will just go, oh, no, they can totally fake that now, so now I'm not invested. Now, where does that leave us? I think that, that they're going to have to develop encryption. This is What do you think about this? I, I talked about this p- potential. Is that what if they develop a, a blockchain technology that some company or government is in, in control of, of that states that – uh, only real true stuff gets on the blockchain. And so people start appealing to one central uh, ledger of truth, right? And they're, and then, you know, you're talking to someone at a dinner party and you're like, and they're like, dude, Eddie, you're so messed up. Like you believe such nonsense. And then you say something, they go, well, show me, show it to me on the ledger. You know, if it's true, it'd yeah. be on the ledger, right? Yeah. You start yeah. to see how dangerous this would be as far as Google, information. Google kind of got like that. Right. But then, but then, you know, the, the, the trust level kind of dropped off over the last couple of years. A lot of things have been exposed, like Bill Gates and yeah. you know, F- Fauci was a hero for a second. Now, mm-hmm. You know, he gets screamed at like li- little by little, mm-hmm. little by li- little, uh, a lot's being exposed. Nobody knew anything about BlackRock and Vanguard. It sounds mm-hmm. crazy. They're buying everything up. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew that Bill Gates is buying up all this farmland. Oh, that's one of my, my favorite memes too. Now I'm a farmer. Now I'm a farmer, yeah. It's, yeah. it's Bill Gates. Can you find that one? It's Bill Gates. He's got like a, like a, some wheat in his mouth or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's saying, now I'm a farmer. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. I spelled farmer wrong. I should have spelled it with PH, but whatever. Yeah, I sold, that's an that's a actual acrylic painting. That's what's cool about the memes is that I'm able to, people are, 
being like, dude, I'll, I'll pay you to, you know, paint it. My favorite meme. Um, you know, so oh, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to be able to do that physical yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, it's fun. Um, uh, being able to make a living doing something that you love. That's totally. Something, something that you were doing for free. You know what I mean? So you proved you, you've been doing it free for forever. Mm -hmm. Now you're getting paid for it. It's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. Thank you. It's great. I'm, it's great to, to be able to do that. And so it's, it's yeah. not, it's not even easy though, but it's, it's great. It's like, cause it's, you still have it's, to battle. It's not only funny, but man, it's, it's, um, it's a weapon it's a tool in deprogramming the sheep, you know? Yeah. So you do it in a way you do it. Like you got to do it in a certain way to, you know, crack their head open just a mm -hmm. little bit. Cause you know, they, like if you hear something and then, uh, in, or, um, or if you tell someone, uh, someone who's uh, asleep still some zombie and you try to, you give them information and then they ask you, where'd you get the information? If you say Alex Jones, I go, ah, it's just mm -hmm. Alex Jones. Mm -hmm. You say Infowars, boom. They already mm -hmm. tainted that. Yeah. Right. So anything coming from Infowars or Alex Jones, they already got people saying we that's bullshit. They mm -hmm. got them. They got them. Yeah. You know, and um, same thing, you know, when uh, with me, you know, if if someone heard me say something, that guy's an idiot. You know, mm -hmm. shit. Mm -hmm. so but when you hear it from someone who is like uh, uh, not a conspiracy theorist at all. And like Jimmy Dore, for instance, I've mm -hmm. talked about this before, like Jimmy Dore, when you hear how he's kind of waking up, man, I don't know if you follow Jimmy Dore. Yeah, but... I've seen some of the clips, though. I've seen his like progression to be yeah, like, oh, this he's... is messed up. Yeah. So he's totally battling with the left. Mm -hmm. uh, totally. And he was a big Bernie Sanders fan and all that. And uh, he's he's like in the middle of waking up. So when it's coming from him, when he says some shit, do you hear what he's saying? And it mostly affects the elderly. And he said it was like the flu. That's what he said. Now, if I said those things, they take my channel down on YouTube. And this is what we ruined everyone's life over. And now he's admitting it. And no one gives a shit. No one, this isn't gonna be run on CNN for a week. Now you send that to the zombies. Now it's more powerful because he was with them and they right. looked up to him. They, they recently looked up to him. And now look what your boy is saying. That's your boy. It's not Alex Jones. Listen to that. So that's way more powerful. You know, that's, that's why Joe Rogan is so powerful because Joe Rogan, man, he's so right there in the middle. He's right there in the middle for balancing. Boom. Some people call him a, a right wing uh, conspiracy theorist. Now, you know, they're trying to smear him. And, um, <clears throat> but, he definitely is like if you know if you watch a show you're like he's not a right-wing con conspiracy theorist he's right there in the middle um, i actually can't figure him out sometimes because i i actually saw a clip of him years ago and he was so passionately coherently just slaughtering the nasa thing it was so clear and i was like dude that was like a major point for me because i was i was kind of timid at first with the the moon stuff because i knew the i did know the ramifications of like exploring that but then i was like no it's just something really off but he's the only person i know you're your buddies but he's the only person that i know that i'm aware of who is passionately against who, who who knew in his heart of hearts that that was bullshit and now he's like, well, I don't know. I talked to Neil Tyson much to Schmushdash, and and you know, it seems like okay. Maybe maybe it's an investment thing. Maybe it's just not enough to fight it. Like maybe he's getting maybe Joe's tired or something. I'm being very charitable, but um, 
I don't think, I don't know anyone who's figured out the moon thing and then went back to being like, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it did happen. And I've seen you tense moments with him where you're like, dude, this is, this is insane. Like, you know, like this is insane. Yeah. Uh, you know what, man? Um, when we hang out and, uh, you know, he's in Texas now. So, uh, I never bring up like flat earth or anything mm -hmm. like it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to hear any of that. So yeah. there's certain things. Yeah. When I'm with certain friends, I don't, I don't bring up, I got some liberal friends, you know, in the music business and they're super liberal and I do my best not to bring shit up. We just talk about uh, UFC. Uh, we'll talk about, I talk about a lot of shit. Everything's not conspiracy theory. Right, 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 right. I'll go inside. Yeah. I need mindless bullshit. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in the football. I'm way into football because it takes me away from uh, um, the bullshit. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be conspiracy theory all day. Just a little bit. I'm just right. Yeah, well, that's money. a good, it's a good point because I, I always tell my, my base this too, because we tackle a lot of, of this stuff and try to get into detail and we're all like invested and hyper-focused on it. But there is this um, tendency for any one of us, maybe we all go through it in stages to just be like at, at some event or some dinner. And suddenly we're just like, well, now I'm going to bring up this thing. And, and you're like, you realize that, like I said before, most people aren't invested in that far of a rabbit hole. I mean, most people just barely step in little pit you know, like, uh, you know, potholes, we're diving into like rabbit holes where we get stuck in the tunnel for like, you know, a month or something. And so, um, you know, it's good. I think it's healthy. I, I think what you're doing uh, in that regard with people who you love who are friends that you, you do still have to be a human being. And then like, you, not everything is just this battle of, of the truth of the matter of the world, um, the shape of the earth, what's going on. This is real. That's real. So sometimes you just have to hang out with people. Right. And yeah. just be and yeah. laugh and like, you know, like, be a like human my, being. Yeah. My mom, she's not a conspiracy theorist. She doesn't know any of these. She is. I'm not talking to her about any of that shit. The one thing I did talk to her about was, uh, you know, I was like in her face about it a lot about not taking the jab. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. and the, my whole family was urging her to do it. So, mm -hmm. uh, that was a little battle. Yeah. That that's was, a, I, that's I, a worthwhile pillar. I, that was a, I was trying to red pill her right there. I don't know. And to this day, uh, she tells me she didn't get jabbed, but um, I think she did. I think she got pressured. She got pressured. Because we got a big family and they were all into it. So um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. She tells me she didn't. So I tried. You know, I tried. I tried. To, you know, I, ta I talked to my family a little bit about her. I'm, you know, they know I'm against it. They know. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they, they weren't shocked at all uh, at my stance, but. I just wanted to do what I could to try to save my mom from, uh, you know, some, some weird, uh, yeah, untimely, um, you know, uh, sads, you know, they, mm -hmm. got sad, they got sads now. So. Yeah, they got sads. It's just and climate sudden... change and climate change causes it. Now, yeah, he... I can't believe people are buying this shit. <laughs> it's fun. I can't believe people are buying this shit. They need it. They sell people this stuff um, so that they can be the victim and the hero in the same moment. It's like a it's a it's a weird thing where like you could be wearing a mask and crying that someone's going to kill your grandma on you. But then also you're the hero for wearing you like you're also the hero. It's like I've never seen that phenomenon until the, the Corona thing where you're like you give people the ability to be both the hero and the victim at the same time. And they could be that all day. Maybe pointing you're going to kill me, but also I'm safe because I took the thing. So which is it? 
You know, yeah. which you can't have both. You're either going to die and I'm going to, and I'm the, I'm the, I'm to blame because I'm not wearing a mask and don't have weird shit in my blood or, or it's protecting you. You can't have both. Right. And I think yeah. this is what we all kind of went through where we were like, dude, this is like black mirror. Like, yeah, it's not about just technology and weird injections. It's about people's minds being like so broken that you, that you're like, wait, what you took five in inje- I just, I just posted a thing on my Instagram, right? Um, this actress from Canada is like, her whole face is broken. And she's yeah. like, I, I get to do this. And it's the right thing to do. And, and she's like, I don't even know why I'm making this video, but I have to do it. And, and you're like, so in your head, you imagined the people you saved in your head. You imagined all of the people you saved, right? <laughs> you also imagined all the people that would have died if you just didn't paralyze half your face. And, and how do you talk to someone like that? Right. That's the other part about like approaching people. You have to actually find where they're at because if someone's so far gone and, and God forbid it's your own family members or adjacent to your family, there's almost a, you have to use discernment when you're going to go in for the, the attack. And, and like, you know, when it has to do with your own mom, that's when you do intervene. Right. Cause it, cause whatever um, backlash you're going to get from the family is worth uh, stepping in and saying, so I'm glad I, I was out. I was the same way with my parents and they're now like, I'm not injecting shit. Like I'm, I'm like reaching my seventies, my golden years. I live this long. My body has not failed me. I'm not suddenly scared of something that, you know, that only exists mostly on this, on the screens. Right. Just like at NASA. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So there's three basic theories of, of where the, the, uh, COVID came from, um, bat, evil scientist leak gain a function type shit or all they did was just hijack the flu what do you think happened i think it's mostly the third however being a skeptic the whole time and still to this day there was a moment uh that for like three weeks four weeks i did lose my smell i didn't feel like sick like i was gonna die or anything it just was like oh that is weird i think it's a combination of hijacking the flu so you have numbers but then I think they do like, you ever seen uh, Operation Sea Spray? Uh, Operation Sea Spray was a real program where the, the Navy sprayed San Francisco with yes. um, an actual problematic thing to inhale. What's it called? Right? What's it called? Operation Sea Spray. Can you find that? Operation I think they do stuff like that where they put particular to cause certain effects. And it's not like this mass scale poison everybody. It's more like mass scale uh, irritate people's senses. Uh, and in this case, your nose. Um, I think um, I think people, including myself, were subject to some sort of particulate that isn't identical to some sort of bacteria, but more so um, something that causes a response. And all you need is the response because what they'll do is they'll just take what the common response is, even if it's, you don't feel sick. And then they'll just pair it and say, that's the thing, right? Oh, you got the thing because you had the nose, um, you know, your nose didn't work or whatever. Um, I think this is like very topical level uh, neuro, um, neuro weapons, neurobio. It has nothing to do with um, the test and the, uh, no, no, no. Cause all those tests, like the PCR, it's just a, you know, coincidental that Carrie <clears throat> uh, Mullins died uh, just a year or two before they, they do this big mass scale thing. Cause he would have been on every channel going, no, you guys can't use the PCR test. I, uh, you can't use this. You're, you're, you can using, you using can, a test that already existed for the flu. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the yeah. test that we use. They were right. using a test that already existed, mm-hmm. wasn't new, 
Right. And they use it for the flu. Right. And then the flu disappears. Right. There's no flu. We just went, went down from, uh, it was like something crazy, like 80,000 cases to like 5,000 cases. Um, but also the PCR tests, if you're using these amplification methods to keep, you know, you look further and further like a fractal system into the biology, right? Into the tiny molecular structure of your body, you're going to find something that matches a, a, a rhinoceros dick at some point. Like you're going to be like, I have a rhinoceros dick in my arm because all they're doing is, is amplifying, right? The, the cycles in, in such a way that patterns, biological patterns at this like high level magnification, eventually patterns are going to look similar. And, and this is how they do this thing that, oh, it's a match, right? Well, what, is it a match at 10 cycles, 50 cycles, 100 cycles? You know, what's the amplification we're talking about here? Because every we're using, all, they were going 40 cycles and apparently at 40 cycles, it's 90% false positives and it mm-hmm. should have been set like at 28 or something. Right, yeah. And, uh, and it already existed. How mm-hmm. did it already exist? Yeah, they just why, had- why are you using the flu test? Why are you using the flu test for, for this shit? We got and, all our numbers. And why flu- did all the language exist for how every, each com- country was going to use the same protocol, same language, same playbook, same distinctions? This so is insane. That's so let me insane. Get this straight. You, you, so you're saying, yes, they did hijack the flu, mm-hmm. but for numbers, but. They also sprayed spots. It I think they sprayed. It wasn't, they didn't it like release a no. virus and no. then it spread and no. then some people got sick. No, they I don't actually, think. Yeah, they, so you're saying they chemtrailed us because that's, yeah. Pretty I mean, much. You know me, I'm Mr. Chemtrail. <laughs> yeah, I think you could deliver, effectively deliver any sort of particular through a plane in New York City or something and have a real thing happen where it's like a, a reaction to your body that looks like illness or sends people I'm into totally, panic. You figure like, man, they could really do some damage. They probably figured out that they can't like what they really want. What they would really, really want is um, the shit that's in the movies. Uh, that's why it's in the movies, because I don't think that it's possible. Mm-hmm. They, they can create an agent or chemical that they could spray on you know, a large percentage of the population and, and kill them. That's not hard to spray shit on people and kill them. I don't think that's hard, but, uh, to, that's not what they want. They want to kill people and have them infect other people. And then it just spreads that. I think they're, I think, I think their goal also is to, um, spray something that some a kind of person with a certain DNA is not affected by, but some are definitely. And so it's targeted DNA stuff. Like you could actually, now that's a little more fantasy based because, um, because I don't even think they fully understand DNA. You know, they're just trying to mess with it. Like, you know, um, CRISPR stuff. There's, they're just opening up that can of worms and they always want to make people feel like they're more advanced than they are. It's similar to like the, the moon and space travel, the same. What do you think about CERN? I think CERN is is even a bigger money laundering pit than That's what um, I think too. Because they just much is happening there. They just d- d- this huge machine, and if you go visit, they're like, oh, it's under maintenance, right? It's uh, you're, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's permanently under maintenance because you're not doing anything. You're just like spending a lot of energy and then using a theoretical language to describe what you hope is happening inside a, a machine. And the same thing with the, like the LIGO experiment, like. I think that's another part of where the money goes. They build these things and structures. And so if you build it, 
obviously there's real builders building things. So how can you deny that something exists? Because you could look at it and be like, are you, Eddie, are you saying the CERN building doesn't exist, right? You get trapped into these stupid um, or arguments. And you're like, no, it's that, that you can develop a machine. I call the LIGO experiment, the PCR test for astronomy, where you just, you know, develop a machine that kind of shoots light and things into space. And then you get to interpret, right? What it, what it means when it gets back and you, and you go, well, how would you know what you're interpreting? They're like, they're like, well, I, we created a pattern that we think would represent the thing we're looking for. Right. So they, yeah. they invent a pattern, they shoot it up and then they see if they can match the pattern. And then they report back to their, the funders and they're like, oh yeah, we we're doing a lot here, folks. Uh, it's amazing the work we're doing. So I, I think CERN, also, it's like trying to do some like, you know, theoretical, you know, messing with time and space. I think a lot of that is a psyop to get people to believe that what they have, that they're capable of such a thing, which then justifies more spending, which is funny because the truther can go, dude, they're fucking up. They're fucking with reality and they're ripping, you know, space time apart and things are changing and reality is changing. And I've gone through that phase like uh, Mandela effect kind of stuff. But the thing is, you realize you get sucked into the same system of thinking that suddenly um, acknowledges them as something that's, that's capable of, of such things, right? So either they're full of shit like NASA, um, or they actually do have the capacity to really mess with things, right? But I think because they're merged and these things are all connected to these, these agencies, I think how NASA goes, all of these other bullshit companies go. And, and I think a good litmus test is to see, is to look at, is what they're claiming they're doing always just released with CGI and um, a whole shit ton of propaganda through the news and nothing else. And I think the answer is yes. Most of the time where you're like, what am, what am I reading about and where from? And then you just see like some silly image, you know, and there's like a cartoon that goes by and something happens and they're like, see, this is what it would look like. You know, this is when they split the fabric of space time in half. And, and, and you're like, uh, I just, that's just a lot of money. And all you have to do is hire Korea to make some CGI. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I feel I saw a press conference once and it was held right there in front of that big fucking cylinder thing where they do their speeches and shit. And, uh, um, the guy was saying oh, he's on stage and he's talking to, I don't know, maybe the donors, or I, I don't know who it was, but they were talking, this guy was, was talking to the, this group of people in front of this giant CERN cylinder. And he was saying, yeah, so far we've discovered 11 dimensions. You know, if you send us some more money, mm -hmm. we'll find a 12 mm -hmm. soon. You know, yeah, I think that's exactly bills. it. That's couple exactly bill, what it is. You know, yep. two couple bill here, couple bill there. I think they really just hijacked, you know, in the our parents in the boomer area, they were just so proud that the we mentioned uh, you know, national or American exceptionalism and how I actually the guy who who really uh, dropped a, uh, a a truth pill on me, right? About like 9/11. I came back to him with like moon stuff and he was like, "Dude, he was like even if they did, it's not smart. Like, you know, you want to maintain, like he went boomer, like, you know, he was like maintain American exceptionalism. And I was like, no, I was like, no, I just can't do it. I, I if I think it's nonsense, I, I just can't, I can't do it in the name of some like sort of like patriotism or, or like making America look good again or whatever. I can't do it. I, I have to just call it 
the way I see it. And I, I just <laughs> that, can't. That, that sounds like a meme. Make America look good again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think people buy that and then they just transfer it onto like astrophysics and theoretical physics and particle physics and quantum physics. And they want to just keep people really thinking that we're on the cusp Always on the cusp, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Always. Oh, cusp yeah. of what? Never, it never happened. None of it ever happens. The cusp of what? We're just still, we're just still where we are. We need to go like, you know, get food and take care of our kids. And like all of our lives are pretty much the same in just a different setting. But that world, they make people really believe that they're, um, they're going to like, you know, do something. They're, they're going to really get to another planet, right? Or, you know, it, it's all just, they never deliver. They never deliver ever. I mean, weren't, weren't we supposed to go back to the moon? Like what happened there? The art, everyone was like, Jim Bob, you're going to feel so stupid when they go back and they shoot the rocket up back up there and land something. And I'm like, it's not, not going to happen. <laughs> so what happened? They just, you know, spent all this money and then what? There's a leak in the glove or someone's glove or, or something like that. It didn't happen. When was, uh, what was your first experience with, uh, for sure you ran into some flat earth stuff on YouTube. Do you remember, would you watch an Eric Dubay? Um, I think it was, I had been, uh, I think I actually watched uh, Owen Benjamin go through the whole process of being oh. like, I can't fucking deal with this. Like, you know, this is crazy. And then uh, he just kept going. And then all the things he was coming up with um, about at like- point, At that current, point, you believe we were spinning on a ball? No, I actually don't. I because I take a different approach to that particular uh, um, uh, back and forth. Where I am is I need to examine first what the fundamental claims are of the the current model, like everything about it, right? So I attack mostly uh, like gravity, like this doesn't make sense to me. Um, black matter, dark matter, matter of color, whatever they call it. Um, this is all nonsensical. And so, and then, but if I skipped to um, something like a positive claim, like flat earth, to me, that's a description of, of just a, of a surface, right? It doesn't really tell me enough to, uh, it just gives me a sense of what I'm observing directly at, at level, right? At, at ground level where I am. But I can't argue anything else if I, if I just claim that, cause I'm just describing what I see around me generally. Um, but it doesn't get me to like a full system. It doesn't get me to, to operations. It doesn't get me to all these other things, which I, um, I love to explore that stuff. But I, at the moment I'm like, okay, I know NASA's bullshit. I know it's even before the whole Nazi thing was like Jack Parsons was like, super demonic he was like yeah. uh, his his daddy was alistair crowley they were into some really weird shit and uh tied with robert heinlein who Wait, is jack parsons is, is alistair crowley's son? not 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 actual no but they were oh. they were like intimately uh their relationship was like father and son oh. um and they you know his whole upbringing uh alistair or um sorry jack parsons like the the sex magic and um all of like the the hollywood the where, where were they in Pasadena? Maybe um, I have a book called sex and rockets that actually doesn't, it's not like in the, this is why I like to read these books because they're not in the context of like exposing them. Like they're, it, it actually tells their story as if like people would be celebratory of the, the story and his background, people shouldn't even go to like Werner, you know, Werner von, von Braun and the Nazis. That's all interesting paperclip, all that. 
but you have to go back further to to understand the basis, the philosophy that that led the way into NASA as an organization, as an agency itself. Go over that a little bit. Uh, so Jack Parsons, the whole his whole story was like um, uh, into sex magic, into Aleister Crowley, into Satanism, and all these like weird sh- all this real weird ritual stuff. And he ended and, up, and he ended up uh, being the head of JPL, yeah. the company that makes all the yeah. rockets for NASA. Right. Right. So and Parsons. That, exactly. APL. And it's not an Parsons. accident that like, you know, remember um, William Shat, Shat himself, he, he even mentions it in some interviews where he's like, dude, there's never been a distinction between science and science fiction in this, in this area, like that we're talking about. And Jack Parsons ran around with Robert Heinlein at the time. Robert Heinlein was a very well-known, at least in sci-fi. He was a writer that, kept he he has these books that um develop the fantasy of space travel develop the the sort of mental infrastructure for space travel to be a thing to be something that could be accessible and he started selling this to the people and so you mix a heinlein like character who's who's dedicated to sci-fi and who could visualize for people through words and imagery what this could be like and then you take jack parsons who legitimately did like to mess with rockets and fire he actually blew himself up in the end in a in a rocket explosion that he he merged them together give them drugs party they're gonna go dude the things we can do together like we can tell these really epic stories like what if it's a reality what if we can make this real and I think that's the fundamental starting point of NASA's um, ph- philosophy is that there's something great out there and um, and faking it is justified because we still believe it's possible. So we have to fake it for now. And I think there's a lot of like, well, let's just fake it for now and then we'll get to it because I really believe we'll get to it. And I think that's how the moon landing even started. They They actually believed you know, Kennedy was like, we got to go to the moon. And then they started he doing believed, this shit. I, I believe he believed it. I believe he believed it. I don't it. think the people at the top be- ever believed it. I think they were partially like trying to get uh, Russia to just suddenly spend a lot of money on something they knew they couldn't do either. But then they were like, what is going to happen? And then I think what you said actually happened is that they were able to fake it. And then it was a useful thing for just justifying spending and printing money that the other countries who see it, they... It's not like every country who sees a, a fakery is going to go, that's a fakery. They're going to go, how do I use that fakery? Exactly. How do I use this to my advantage? If they can do it, we can do it. I think that happened. But um, but but I was, I was saying with Jack Parsons, the whole um, this book is amazing. Sex and Rockets. Um, it, and it really just tells the full story of what was going on before he was given this position like this, this fundamentally you know this is like the the beginning the kernel the seed of what nasa is right uh, today there was it's it's totally naive to assume nasa is just a space agency even from the truther side it's a naive to say nasa is just a space agency that just lies for money there is there is way more going on there philosophically speaking and and uh, even theologically you think it has anything to do with freemasonry um, I think um, I think they might. They're they're definitely astronauts who are Freemasons, um, and Freemasons, however, will accept you as long as you believe in anything higher. Like uh, it's almost like AA, where it's like you you can be in, you just have to swear to something larger than yourself, a God. But it's deistic, so they don't like say who. So you could be you could be a, a Freemason and be satanic, but you could be a Freemason and be like a Catholic. Um, and so what I think happens is. 
um, there's, um, I think it's uh, an overlap of, of different philosophies. I think uh, uh, Kabbalism it itself is kind of, uh, I think it's found its way in NASA and general astrophysics. You could even find uh, Michu Kaku admitting he was like, yeah, it's just uncanny how like uh, everything, every way we describe, you know, the universe out there and astrophysics and all of this, like, you know, crazy particle theory and all this is just completely consistent with uh, uh, Kabbalism, right? The, that the language in which they talk about this stuff is so similar, you know, it, it, no one's neutral, by the way, you, me, anyone talking about uh, science, the world, the nature of reality. We're not like, it's not like we're neutral. Like we get to just um, pursue, pursue knowledge without a philosophy right behind it. Right. That's driving us. So I think uh, NASA has a couple of overlapping philosophies that are based in Kabbalism, Freemasonry generally, like I said, you don't, the belief itself can include sub beliefs in Freemasonry. So it's not like it's like you have to believe one thing only. It's that this is how the, we operate, but you have to swear in at least, you know, believing something bigger than you. Right. And so that invites all sorts of uh, synthesis of, of views. Right. And that's why it's so hard to track where you can't just be like, it's the Illuminati, it's Freemasonry, it's just Kabbalist, it's whatever it is because they they kind of interact together right so that's why it's hard to like separate them out as groups you know the jews are doing it they're doing you know it's very difficult because they're all playing diff the similar games but they have slightly different beliefs and stuff so it's uh, i think that adds to their ability to ha to actually do what they do i think it it actually adds to it so hmm now um Ah, shit, what was it? Um, I personally think that, you know, space is a part of the, there's a new world order plan. I got this grand plan and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's uh, drenched in Freemasonry. Um, I don't know how far, if you've looked into the great reset of the 1800s and like the, uh, uh, John uh, Levy, have you heard of John Levy? I've heard John Levy, yeah. Ah, uh, man, there's like, um, it's like beyond flat earth now. It's like, okay, it's, it, we're on some level shit. We don't know where the fuck we're at or anything, but this shit's level. That, that's basically what it is. We don't know what's out. And there is ice walls. You, there's plenty of video and pictures. Ice wall. There's ice wall. We're in some big fucking lake. Mm -hmm. There could be a bunch of fucking lakes all over the fucking place. And this is just one special experimental lake. And they got a bunch of them. And UFOs come from that way, not from that way. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's what it... It seems like, I don't know, I'm speculating, I don't know, but um, then you get into like shit, how did they pull it off, and oh, damn, and then you start looking into, uh, for sure history's bullshit, like mainstream history, so what's the real history, and how can we find out what the real history is, well, uh, uh, there's quite a few people now, um, the movement is growing, but it's really about figuring out what the 1800s were really like <laughs> what like, instead of the cowboys and indians uh um uh narrative narrative mm -hmm. yeah you start looking into the 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 real history of the united states that's that you subscribe to john levy he's in he's so entertaining he's, he's been putting out videos for at least six years five six years something like that and he's got endless videos they're all like 20 minute videos and he just going over, going over like, um, like basically ruins in the United States and all over the world, all over the world. But 
in Utah with like the structures that like, wait a minute, how did there they were build? two more, there were two advanced for the yeah, narrative. Yeah, wait a minute. The narrative is 1860. We're fucking coming over in wagons and fighting off Indians. Mm-hmm. That's our story. And then we get here to Utah and there's these fucking insane structures. Like who built that shit in 18, what 18, you know, 70, you guys built this shit for what? There was just cowboys and Indians out here. And there's a lot of that. There's in San Francisco, there's structures like, wait a minute. We got here in 1870 or something like that. And this, we built this shit. There's a lot of shit like that. Then you start looking into the world fairs, the world world fairs fairs all over the the world Mm -hmm. fairs all over the place. That's how they propagandized everybody. You know, uh, through the world fairs, you go to the, everyone goes to the world fair and they go, this is the way, this is the new world. This is how we're going to live. And there's like uh, Indian sections. And then there's like actors that are playing Indians. And it's like, like brainwash fairs, crazy shit. That is what I'm into, right? I'm super fascinated with that. There's a, uh, uh, a YouTube channel from a woman named Michelle Gibson. Michelle Gibson, she just put out a video last week about the origins of, of the Wild West. Fucking mind-blowing. She breaks it all down. She just shows you. This is, how it, this is where the Wild West came from. This is how they did it. Boom. Crazy shit. Buffalo Bill stories. They were just like, tra- there was traveling cowboys and Indians doing shows all over, uh, like in the 1800s, late 1800s. There was vaudeville shows or cowboys and Indian shows mm-hmm. all over the place. And they... um man it, it you gotta watch but uh um, i'll check that out yeah I'll, i i'm like uh fascinated with like how uh you could hide a reality that existed and tell a different story about it right and we i think we're living in that episode i like the story of like the 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 official narrative of dinosaurs is a perfect example like yeah. we're we're living in what you're referencing where let's let's say in that case it was more of like a some other behaviors were happening or or we were more advanced than they tell us we were. And um, well, if we look at where we are right now, you you look at like how deliberate and how strong and foundational just the dinosaur concept is. Right. And how it's like, I was talking about premises before, right? The premise of dinosaurs is accepted the same way a premise of like a basic joke, like uh how about those? How about flying, folks? Doesn't flying suck? You know, ha <laughs> yeah, Like yeah. it's like hacky, right? Premise, but it's so widely, widely accepted. And, and you're like, what are we interacting with? Like, does anyone even understand like that the concept of a dinosaur was was conceived before anyone found anything? It was like, oh, let's invent this concept of a thing, and then maybe we'll find it. And then you go, why? Why would it be the case that? Um, that suddenly a whole world that was filled with these massive giants, right? Um, why only in our time period are they suddenly finding some these things, right? Like I can understand, like we have better technology to dig deeper in certain aspects, but that wouldn't justify because you can still find like old mammoth stuff, right? Without excavators, you could just find them in, in some places. And so this, it's really weird that, the past documentation uh, that that should exist about dinosaurs should be pretty thorough. Like just in general, like they found the massive beast or, or, or something like this, but, but it's so recent. If you really think about it, like this concept of these massive animals that are mostly again in movies and reconstructions in museums that are done with plaster, 
we're told the whole world of them. And so we go, oh, the whole world of those existed. And you go, what's the actual evidence uh, for this whole world that they created? It'd be like saying like, dude, Lord of the Rings was real. And you're like, why? And they're like, we found this pipe. You know, we found uh, Bilbo's and, and whatever, uh, Gandalf's pipe or whatever. We, there was this other yeah. thing we found. It was like a drawing. And, and it's like <laughs> they lead with the world that they're creating and then they support the world they're creating with these little artifacts and you go, Oh, they fit, right. They fit in the, in the world. And it's, it's backwards because you're, you're supposed to find evidence and it'll be grueling and sometimes impossible to construct the world from it. Like nuclear, like nuclear bombs. Like right. that was a theory being able to split the atom inside of a bomb. That's a nuclear bomb. And that was a theory. And that's, that's what the Manhattan project was uh, for mm-hmm. to somehow figure it out to, you know, save the world because that's what Hitler's doing or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, that was, that, then they dropped the bomb. They, they, they dropped a nuclear bomb, atomic bomb, or I don't know what the difference is. Carpet bomb. Well, it was for sure not a nuclear bomb. Uh, it could have been a carpet bomb. But what do you what do you feel about? Uh, are you on the? There's no proof that nuclear weapons actually. Uh, I think nuclear weapons are mostly they serve two purposes. I think it's a scare tactic um, to um, to keep people in line. Uh, it's like a propaganda machine for countries to countries. Like it's not even for just people because that part is just like a f- a fun perk that you get to tell a bunch of kids to go under the desk, right? And put your hands over your head as if, if a nuke was real, really, why would you do that? Like if a nuke was real, you'd be, you'd be uh, decimated like the twin towers or something like that. Um, So I think the part, part of it is a propaganda arm for other countries that worked um, because there's propaganda of capabilities that are positive. Oh, we can fly on the moon. Uh, But there's also capabilities that are negative, like we can destroy you with a single push of a button. And this kind of narrative, I actually think today it's mostly used along with like poison, you know, like, you know, radiation poisoning to uh, diminish the the possibility of like nuclear power, like things that are that power um, our houses and electricity and all these things that uh, that is really actually um, safe and available to us. And I think that that they. You could see like HBO every one, like two years will come out with some sort of like disaster movie, nuke, you know, nuclear power, nuke disaster. And I think it really gets people away from certain energy sources um, that are more plausible and practical than uh, we know. And I've talked to people who worked um, in in nuclear and they they get frustrated, actually, because they're putting their uh, time and effort and knowledge and skill into a field. And then they're also interacting with like a large propaganda machine. That's pretty much worldwide that just constantly pushes. Like you're going to die. Your face is going to melt off. You know, the ducks are going to look like chick, you know, like alligators and like, you know, five eyes and all this shit. So, so you, you don't believe they're real. I don't No, I think they, I I don't even think they're practical. I think modern technology and warfare is actually geared toward the, the um, individuals um, and specific targets with high precision um, and not total decimation of something because decimation, you know, that, I think that era ended a little bit with uh, Dick Cheney where you could invest in and, and, and have a say in making a war, but also invest in the construction company. Now, if nukes are real and they could actually decimate to that level, 
Um, it's not it's not actually that practical to use them because um, it's just you actually want to use the infrastructure that's already there. So if you want to take land and and, decim- and, and like annihilate someone, you're going to use modern warfare, which is more like poison, um, whatever, whatever their version of bioweapons are, um, you know, but more I think they're more invested in um, um, frequency warfare. Like, why would you why would you decimate? a huge structure that has like um, running water. Um, that's all resources, right? This is like, this is infrastructure that you can use in the event that you could um, swap the populations, right? Yeah. Um, so decimating them is silly, right? Uh, if, if you can just take out people using like uh, frequency, you know, make them sick, lethargic, um, cause I think, uh, pulses and frequency stuff is a lot more realistic than, uh, blowing up, uh, you know, a, ma- a country it's, you know, turning a country into powder, right? Yeah. It's like, like a- why then you have to wait to invade. Like you're going to wait now for the poison to go away. <laughs> nu- right? nuclear- How about those nuclear bombs and suitcases and shit? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I don't, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's they, all you know dedicated. It's, it's, you know what, if you were going to build a new empire and you were evil and you were part of the Illuminati, you, whether they're real or not, I don't, I don't think they're real. There's no, you got to show me, you lie so much. You got to show me proof. Okay. I don't, how do I know that's not a regular bomb? How do I know that's a hydrogen bomb? I don't know. You just got to, I'm going to take your word for it. I'm going to take a liar's word for it. I don't know. You're like, look but, at this old footage, but, but whether they're real or not, they don't need to be real. Like if I started a new empire somewhere, I'm like, they don't need to be real. You just say you make it, you just, oh, we're working on it. Oh, this is very important for our safety and for the safety of our democracy. You know, you get them, get everyone to pay for it. And then, Mm -hmm. oh, we got it. You blow some shit up. You film it. Look, oh shit, first bomb. And then now you have it and now you use it to invade other countries. Look, they're trying to make one too. Boom. We got to get in there. uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, They're trying to make it. They're trying to make it. Boogeyman. Okay. Go get it. Go get Mm -hmm. it. They're trying to make it. Yeah, so it's perfect. And then how much money is made uh, on um, selling like nuclear secrets? Mm-hmm. There's got to be a whole shitload of third world countries that believe it. They believe that. Like, they wish they had nuclear weapons. They're like, damn. That's it's so like, funny. Nuclear and, secrets yeah, are just like, yeah. um, they're just like, uh, what do you call them? Like, uh, oh, I, I even sell these things. I don't even know what they're called. The, on the blockchain, you sell like an image. It's like a meme. Um, a- NFT? Yeah, an NFT. It's just like a new, you know, like they sell them to the countries and they're like, dude, yeah, I got yeah, the, yeah, I got the nuke got- secret NFT. Do you have the other part? And they're That's like, no, the, I got to buy it. For sure. They got to have some scam going on under, under the table with all these countries selling them. Nuclear. We're going to sell you nuclear secrets for 500 million. They're like, oh, shit, well, no problem. 500 million. And they just give them like a stack of documents. They probably like uh, all yeah, high trust. level, yeah. like Rockefeller cronies or, or whatever, high level politicians or, or whoever in the CIA or whatever. They probably all got a little operation. They're all probably selling nuclear secrets. So they just sell them like documents and they have all this shit and go, hey, we gave you nuclear secrets and like these poor third world countries are like going what the fuck is this yeah what the fuck are we gonna make it like they're like ripping everybody off <laughs> right because it's still a secret even if you give it to them you're yeah, like hey, I don't, they're like i didn't document. say i understood it i didn't say i understood the secret yeah. it's just and i have the notebook. you know what you make it clear sir, because listen i got a bunch of nuclear seek i mean i got stacks of documents i don't know what they are okay i don't know what they are but i got them if y'all want them, that's 500 million. You don't have to take it. I know if it's too much. Damn, Uruguay wants it, you know, but I got some, there are a stack of documents. I don't know. You're going to, you're on your own. 
You got to put it together. You got to find engineers. I can help you find some engineers, whatever, but I can't guarantee. I mean, I'm just going to give you the, the secrets. You well, know, what are the secrets and you have to reverse engineer it. And I think that's the be- a better way to sell it. Cause you don't want to fucking angry ass. Unless, unless you do this and this has happened. This is what all modern art is, is that it's not an accident that, that Joe Biden's son does art is that you just create this commodity that it's, there's, there's weaponry secrets and, and nuclear secrets and both sides know that they're not even real, but you use them to trade large sum, sums of money that, that are like, like, you know, paired with an totally. item, yeah. right? We're yeah. just like, so we're buying some nuclear secrets. Hey, yeah, we, yeah. Need, we need a couple billion. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're almost there though. We're almost there, you know, and then you have some scientists, you know, do you, you allocate some money, you give them a couple million and right. they're just doing, you know, they're mixing shit and then, you know, you gotta have, and it's protected. It's protected. It's a protected way to exchange money between governments because the fact that it's called a secret or classified, it's not the even, it's even a bigger protection than let's say in the art world where you go, Oh dude, I, I, I just got $2 million and I'm actually buying a, a, a Haitian kid, but I need to document a purchase. That's not the Haitian kid. And so you go, oh, cool. How about a banana taped to a, a, a canvas, right? How, do, how about a, yeah. a piece of a piece of garbage art or whatever that yeah. you just price at four million or whatever? And then the yeah. artist could either be an informant or, or something. They could be an artist. They can even believe that this is happening. They they yeah. may not even be a part of it, right? These yeah, are dumbass. That, you know, it's you better know. if they don't know. And they right. It's better for them. I'm like, oh my god, how much you want for that? We'll give yeah, exactly. you right now. Four million. Four million. Yeah. We'll give you four million right now. Right. Five million. <laughs> Six million. I think that's <laughs> rampant. I think that is like one of the, but, but then you extend that like, like to the, uh, the trait, the secrets, it's even more protected. It's just like, you don't even get to know what, what it is. You, you don't even need to hide it with art. It's just, oh no, it's classified. There's a classified exchange that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Bob, how can uh, my people reach you? Uh, made by Jim Bob is my current Instagram. Uh, I'm like Eddie. Um, you know, I'm I'm shadow banned. You can't type my name sometimes, and sometimes they just delete me for no reason. But made made by Jim Bob is currently it. So go follow there. Um, made by Jim You'll find my latest book of uh, hilarious and uh, you know sometimes poignant memes. Uh, Savage memes volume four post truth booster. Uh, I think this is the best one yet. Uh, and uh, you can get that at made by Jim And uh, you guys got a, a discount. Uh, 15% for uh, using the code Bravo at the, uh, the register there. So, um, well, thank you very much, Jim, Bob. This was, uh, this was an awesome podcast, man. I had a lot of fun. You're a very smart person. I, uh, I am honored to have you on my podcast, man. Thank you very much. And we're going to do part two and part three and part four. That'd be great. Yeah, dude. Thanks a lot. And, uh, again, keep, keep giving me uh, meme ideas too. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you back on one of your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you left me hanging on that first one, though, dog. So, but you came through. You you were able to do it. <laughs> I knew it was gonna work. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Well, thank um, you, man. We'll talk soon. Hey, I'll, hit you, I'll hit you with the crazy link one day. Uh, yeah, anytime, dude. Okay, see you. Thanks, thanks, Eddie. The Jujitsu Dojo is the ultimate training ground for life. Jujitsu will accelerate the evolution of your being, your consciousness your soul. Through this amazing art, you will prove to yourself that you can master anything you set your mind to. Happy 
birthday, Eddie Bravo. I leave for Brazil tomorrow. Are you the fear factor guy? I'm uh, like six pounds over. Time to sweat it out. Just imagine someone that has no idea how different your game is. I'll tell you what this weekend was, man. It was a culmination point where all your hard work comes to like one great moment in time. You showed that you're a fucking champion. Guy who goes against convention. You created your own shit and figured interesting ways to get around problems in jujitsu. And shows you that great things are possible if you work hard, if you dedicate yourself, and you use your creativity, and you push through. Your own human potential just goes up. My 10th Planet Association has grown rapidly to over 70 academies worldwide, and their curriculums are all synced to 10th Planet headquarters located in downtown Los Angeles. I'm Eddie Bravo. I hope to see you on the mats. You can tell it's real because it looks so fake.